Blog Talk Radio. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this evening's edition of Winchester Radio. Uh, tonight, our episode is The Things We Left Behind. That was written by Andrew Dubb and directed by uh, Winchester Radio Podcast Hall of Famer Guy B, who is here tonight. So we're going to be talking to him uh, all about this episode and all about his uh, adventures in directing. Uh, welcome, Guy, back to the podcast. Thanks again. Hello, hello. hello. I'm back. <laughs> Great. <laughs> here you are again. Well, good. Um, another episode, and you are our Hall of Fame best, and we love talking to you about uh, all your episodes. Um, yeah. Do you want to just, just talk a little bit about when you got the script and how you were thinking about things for this, or do you want to start with questions? Or uh, I could talk a little bit. I mean, um, I, it, you know, I, I think I, I got this one, you know, a little more ahead than normal. I think I don't, because a lot of times I'll, I'll literally get the script the day before I, I get on a plane to head up to Vancouver. And I think I had this one a little ahead. Um, you know, what's, what's great about a show like Supernatural has been going so long is that they sort of know what they're, paradigm is as far as like you know what you know the, the the page count and the scene numbers and how to make a perfect schedule and you know they got down to a science after 204 episodes and now more than you know than, as we speak they're probably on 209 or 210 or something but the point is it was a, like i think a 43 page script 44 scenes or something like that which is shorter than normal because nor, you know most other shows i do are well into the 50 page sometimes 75 80 scenes range now, a scene can be just one line that'll say "car drives by." That could be a scene, or it can be four pages of people talking at a bar. So, so scenes are a little deceptive as far as like gauging how long the show is going to run, and and even even page count as well. But the nice thing and the point is that you know Andrew gave me a nice streamlined, um, down and dirty script. In fact, watching it um, for the second time this morning. Um, I don't believe we cut anything out. I mean, I don't really, I, I think everything we shot is in there. There's maybe a line or two that got lifted. Or there was one thing where the original opening of the show was when Claire gets uh, literally the, the doors bust open at the group home, the cop brings her in. And then after um, the, the uh, you know, the, the, the attendant says, uh, who is that? Oh, that's, you know, that's a frequent flyer, Claire Novak. Then we cut to sort of Dean's um, vision of, you know, this horrible, horrible, you know, nightmare dream premonition. We don't know quite know what it is. And uh, the way they re- re-edited it, which is, I think, better, is we open with that. Um, and and so so the, the, the way it opened before was, you know, group home and then, we cut from this horrible premonition. He, 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 you know, wakes up. He looks at the market cane, and then um, we cut to a, a quick little bit of um, uh, Sam making a grilled cheese sandwich uh, in the kitchen area, grilling it, and he hears like some faraway, um, sort of you know, maniacal laughing, and you kind of think the worst. And we push in to make it real dramatic, and then of course he comes around the corner, and it's his his brother watching Three Stooges. Um, so we, they lost that and, you know, I don't, I don't miss it. And, uh, you know, the show didn't run short because we lost it. So it's all good. But that, that was the nice thing is that was a lean, mean script that was very doable in our eight day schedule. And, um, you know, it was my second, 
I think my yeah my my day seven was the Friday before the 200th episode party, so nobody wanted to shoot long and and late and be all beat up for the party on Saturday. So um, so you know it worked out great. Um, very doable schedule. My last day was all the stuff in uh, you know the the cell where they kept Rowena, where ultimately Gerald meets his demise at the hands of uh, Crowley. And uh, that was only like four or five scenes, and real quick to shoot that. I mean, that was like a quick nine, ten-hour day, which was great because I had to get on a plane, fly home, and then come back uh, two days later to start uh, another episode of a different show. So uh, that's it. It was uh, it was a very um, contained, very doable. Uh, I was real happy with the script because, of course, I got both the J's and both the M's, and uh, and uh, you know I love those guys dearly. So we had a lot of a lot of fun, and I, I knew that that it was going to be a the mid-season uh, hiatus, you know, uh, the thing that'll keep us every everyone going over the over the winter hiatus. So I knew there was a lot of pressure to make it look cool. So hopefully we delivered. I'm not quite sure, but we'll see. We'll get your opinion. Uh, <laughs> uh, I um I was wondering what was the casting process for Claire since you know we've seen her previously on the show. Yeah. Um, you know she was a different actress so. How did what would how did you go about casting the new Claire? Well, the first thing we did, uh, or they did, even before I was probably on board, was they got in touch with the the girl who played her in season four, and um, we found out that she was studying dentistry at a college about four hours away by car, and but she was keen to come in and read for us. She got the sides and she was ready to audition and come and do it. And I think we read about three or four other girls in Vancouver, so a total of like five. But we had the original girl, um, and it was, it was very exciting to see her. And she was she was pretty excited to come and audition. And you know, it was, you know, she hasn't really kept up her her career as an actress, obviously, because she doesn't want to, or she wants to stick her hands in people's mouths for a living now, I guess. Um, and then there was a, there was a session in L.A., and uh, everyone was sort of leaning towards uh, Catherine, who ultimately got the part. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, she, the girl who played her, and it, I, I can't remember her name. I'm sure somebody out there knows. Uh, she came in, she auditioned and she did great. And, and she had the lines down and it was just the kind of thing where, you know, I, for me, I knew that she was going to come back in later episodes or I was assuming that. So I knew it was a big decision, you know, just like any reg, you know, any, any actor that's not going to just be in one episode and that's it. Um, so, uh, uh, the consensus was that Catherine sort of sort of fit the bill in all the all the different um, ways that she needed to. So uh, so so you know she she came up and her first day I think she, you know she flew in and then her first day to to go through a wardrobe and you know kind of we wanted to test the hair and makeup we wanted to test the braid that was something that Andrew had uh, pointed out from another movie which slips my mind now too uh, sort of the braid and um, you know we we tested a nose ring we tested a you know tattoos on the on the wrist on you know different areas uh the thickness of the eye makeup i sort of had this concept that she should kind of look like taylor momsen who's uh you know um she's a lead singer of this group called um pretty reckless but she's also you know what to interrupt you that's exactly what she reminded me of yeah well that was and then you exactly reminded me of taylor momsen yeah so when when catherine got to um the to our stages it was our first day and i think we were actually shooting the men of letters um, watching Three Stooges on the um, laptop scene when she came by, they they dragged her in there to say hi to us. And the first thing I think I did was I dragged her off the side. I go, first of all, you're gonna have the best time of your life. First of all, this is gonna be the most fun. You're gonna laugh. You're gonna laugh till you cry. And I just pray that you can keep it together in front of these clowns because you have scenes with all three of them and you're in trouble. <laughs> but we're gonna have fun. It's gonna be great. 
And then I said to, you know, I said, because we had already had meetings uh, you know, with Sabrina, you know, hair and makeup, typical kind of meetings. And, you know, we send pictures back and forth. So we kind of we kind of killed the idea of it being too uh, the, the eye makeup being too uh, raccoony and and goth and uh, kind of split somewhere down the middle. And uh, but when I, I did when I mentioned to Catherine something about you know sort of the Taylor Momsen vibe, she was like, "Oh my God!" I, she she was, "I really I, I like her," and I'm uh, you know I, I kind of had thought that myself. So it's funny that you just used to say that too. So. Um, so we kind of went with a few of those, you know, those clip-in uh, uh, earrings up up her uh, ear there, and because uh, I don't, I think maybe she had one real piercing, but um, that was sort of the look we we came upon, and um, so she came and did that, and we sent all those pictures down to Jeremy and Bob and everybody, and we all kind of agreed that this is this is the Claire, seventeen-year-old Claire uh, in a group home look, and um, yeah, I'm happy with it. I mean, you know, you, sometimes you watch it back later and you're like oh we shouldn't have done that or we should have done this and i even think if i would have you know stuck to my guns or really you know insisted on a, a nose ring i mean i would have gotten vetoed because i guess we all we all kind of agreed that your if your eye is drawn to it in other words you never want your props or your your wardrobe or your makeup or anything to to upstage you so i'm kind of glad we did because because i know i probably would have fixated on that a little bit but um yeah so so that was great she came by and um and uh, we all sort of met her, and she was very quiet and very shy. And you know, I had watched uh, Paranormal Four, which was the, the the you know the movie that I you know I was quick to get on Netflix that I could watch to kind of to check up you know see who you know what she was doing in that. And uh, so she came out of her shell. I mean, you know, she uh, she certainly she certainly delivered, and she was great. I think everybody uh, really enjoyed her experience. And I know she went back up for another one. I think so. Uh, there you go. I think you yeah, more, I thought, see more Claire. I thought she was fantastic, and the scenes where you know they kind of you know blended from you know the younger Claire to the current Claire, you know you 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 know there's not much difference. You know they look similar enough to have been you know to be the real the same person. I thought you know it was a great job. And yeah, that worked out great. Perfect. That that was something that they did uh, when we first meet her. Um, you know, because that um, I'm not your father. That was a big thing, and so it was neat to see him say that in a little bit of a flashback. Because that wasn't—I don't believe that was scripted. So that was something they and they sort of that morph of, uh, you know, the whatever the 13, 12, 13 year old Claire to the present day. That worked out really nice. So, um, you know, it just reminds the audience that you know this this is somebody that we you know if you're not a a loyal fan of the show or a newer fan of the show, you go okay. So you know, in the in the recap, you know that that's why it wasn't going to be that much of a big surprise because when that the fact that, that that was Claire Novak, so it wasn't such a bombshell when when the attendant said it. Um, so, because we know that the recaps and you know then you know the the then um, bit mm-hmm. of the show at the beginning, we knew that everyone was going to get tipped off. So, you know, like when when I did have Claire get dragged in there by the by the cop, I had her you know had her hair kind of in her face a little bit, so it was, you know kind of mysterious. But we realized quickly, you know, within five seconds first of all the audience already knows it's her um you know they got a spoiler you know in the in the teaser and um within five seconds you're going to see her face when she delivers you know her um you know her line to you know obviously this is somebody that or you know a place that she's been to frequently so so she knows the players um anyway yeah so so there you go Catherine love newton she did great and i'm glad she's uh she came back to do another one at least one maybe more i don't know you'll have to see Hmm. Um, young Claire, I, I is played by was played by Sydney Imbo. Does that sound 
right to you? I looked it yeah, up. Yeah, Sydney, yes, yes. Sweetheart, and I think she drove four hours from, like, Kelowna, which is, like, way in, you know, in the interior where she's studying uh, dentistry, yeah. Um, you know, we, we all, we all were, were hoping that it would work for her, and, you know, just that's kind of the way it is. And, you know, um, again, I, you know, there's only so much I could say about, you know, who I preferred, and, uh, but, I, I mean, I think, I think Catherine did, did so well. It's like now you look back and it's like, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, we're all sort of glad that, that it went the way it went. No regrets. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in this episode, you had the unique position of directing two characters that we've only met once but were very pivotal, which was going to be Claire and then, for Crowley's story, Rowena. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then how how amazing is Ruth Connell? Uh, she, she's you know, so it's, fantastic. It's funny. My first day we shot, we did all the stuff in Mental Letters, and then we went over to um, Crowley's, you know, for lack of a better term, it's the, you know, his... Uh, uh, you know his man cave. It's it's the you know it's, it's where he you know where he has his big chair. So we shot those scenes. So the last thing we did that day was was uh, you know Ruth being hauled in there. You know Rowena, and that's where she said you know that's where she insists on calling him Fed. I guess, and he says it's it's Crowley. Um, anyway, so we did we did those two scenes. The first one with Gerald, where he says uh, you know um, you know uh, you know I was I you know I was I was uh, she traded me for three pigs. We did that scene. Um, Viv Lee Kaku did a great job, and and Mark Mark Shepard really was upset that that they uh, you know basically killed Viv off. But there's you know again it's supernatural, so people can come back. So I hope uh, Gerald and you know Flash Viv Lee Kaku get to come back. But anyway, Ruth. So you know we we did that scene, and it was great, and you know sort of all we you know, all the stuff we talked about, you know how how do you how do you break through to you know the King of Hell, and of course you know you you, you reduce. You know, I said if, if if Rowena can reduce him down to that seven-year-old boy again, and you know, give him a kiss on the top of his head, and and so uh, you know, she's she's so tiny that you know she had to kind of you know walk up and get you know go up a couple sets of steps to get all, get high enough. Unfortunately, Mark was sitting, but um, you know that and that was kind of the it all worked out great. And then I didn't have anything with her the, the whole week, and then because she didn't work again till the last day, but at the 200th party. One of the first people I ran into when I walked in was was Ruth. So I, we went off to the side and talked for like a half hour, and just such a sweet, warm, like you'd never recognize her out of the Rowena costume. Um, she's she's the opposite of sort of the the the, the mean witch that she's sort of coming, you know, or, or is, is is what Rowena is supposed to be. Um. So yeah, great, great, awesome, and uh, I I you know I hope I don't know, but I hope uh, they have a really fun. Um, arc for her this season because she's dynamite. I, mean, I think anything they give her, she'll do great with. And her her chemistry with Mark is fantastic. They, yeah, those two are really really. And it's it's an interesting episode because their story is so separate from everybody else's, so very separate yeah. within this. And yet, because of their chemistry, it doesn't pull you out of it in any way. Yeah, 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 exactly. And and I think uh, yeah, I think Mark really digs her and. It's come across at least for my the scenes I did with them. I, I think it really came across, and um, yeah, it's just the we just scratch the surface of what those two are going to do as a team separately. I don't know. I honestly don't know. And as a fan, I can't wait to see what, uh, what what's coming down the line for uh, both you know Rowena and Crowley together. It should be fun. Um, um, the scene where Misha uses his real voice instead of the Castiel voice with the yeah. social worker yeah. um, was. That scripted, or was it something you all decided to do? 
No, it wasn't scripted. It was an idea I had, and I said, hey, you know, Misha, how, how often have you used the Jimmy Novak voice? I mean, obviously when you were Jimmy Novak, but since then, since season four. And he goes, I really haven't done it that much. And I said, that will be kind of fun, as it says you're pretexting at, it's scripted as, as you know, literally it says Castiel, pre, you know, in, in parenthesis, pretexting as Jimmy Novak. Um you know, tries to, to, to get his daughter, you know, signed out. You know, he's her legal guardian, and all he has to do is sign on the dotted line. It looks like, it seems like, but, you know, of course it doesn't go that way. Um, and so I, I said it could be fun for you to kind of, like, clear your, like catch yourself, clear your, clear your throat a little bit, and, uh, and then go into Jimmy Novak. And, and, you know, it could be fun to see that on camera. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's do it. So um, I think I got approval. I think I, I checked in with Andrew and said, hey, you know, by pretexting, are we saying that he can – sort of put on this 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 uh you know different less gravelly voice that you know very different from Castiel's voice and and there I think everybody agreed yeah that'd be fine so that's what we did yeah that was you know that's one of those things you know you just while you're prepping and you think about it and you make a you know I always make a list of things when I do my tone meeting which is generally the day before we start shooting we go through the script scene by scene that's one of those things that that um you know, I'll make a note to myself to ask, you know, Jeremy, Bob, you know, Andrew. And then, um, of course, you know, if Misha was like, no, nah, I don't think I'd want to do that. I mean, there's one, there was one thing we wanted to do, and, and we kind of messed up because we shot out of order, but it wasn't that big a deal, is uh, Misha said once I put the tie back on, I should leave it on. But I think we had already shot a scene with it off again. So, in other words, for my episode, he just puts on the tie to try and act like her dad for that one scene. But I think from I, here on, from here on out for the rest of the season he will have a tie on for the for uh, mm. you know so so he's he's yeah so he's kind of completed his his uh Jimmy Novak look with the raincoat and you know that sort of what we what we were used to seeing him for however many seasons before uh he kind of became a civilian but um but yeah so I think I think from here on out you'll see him with the with the tie on. Well, I'm sure it was nice for Misha to also give his his voice a slight break. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Jimmy voice, um, and and it is nice to see the 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 full Castiel look come back. Cause a couple of episodes back, we had talked about how we were just kind of not feeling the look right now. So I'm glad yep. to hear the yeah, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. there. I mean, there's a lot of talk about that kind of stuff, and unfortunately, you know, we shoot stuff out of order, and that's why it's you know, as a director. You know, for me to keep up on that, of course, it was something that was discussed that I wasn't aware of, and, and it wasn't until later that Misha said, you know, I think we messed up because I really wanted to have the tie on from that scene till the end and then keep it on for the rest of the season. And I said, oh, but we already shot the scene with the, you know, where you did. He goes, I know, and it's something that we should have insisted on and or, you know, made a note of for everybody. So, you know, that, that, that's one I couldn't have predicted. But, you know, that, that's you have to track those things. Like when Claire gets up to excuse herself to go to the bathroom, typically you wouldn't take your your coat and your you know your, your messenger bag with you. But I said, well, you know, you know, you're going to get out, go jump out the back window and get the hell out of here. So it has to be organic. Also, at the same time, you're going to pickpocket him to get his wallet, and so there's a lot going on. So that's all that stuff you have to track. And you know, of course, I have a prop department and a script supervisor. And you know, first assistant director that you know hopefully is is you know watching my back and everything and. You know, and every once in a while something will slip through, but I think we did good on this one. I, I feel pretty good about all the continuity, and you know, there was something cool where you know when 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 Claire was was when we first meet her and she's punching the the column, uh, the cement column, 
you know, we kept uh, touching up her knuckles, her red knuckles, and I was like, ah, you know, I don't know if it's ever going to pay off. I don't know if we're ever going to get a shot. And of course, when she's we start on her in the diner, she's you know, sopping up ketchup with um, French fries, and then she she kind of put her elbow on the table, and you see nice red knuckles. So I was happy that mm-hmm. there's a way to incorporate that and 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 keep that continuity going. I'll say as a viewer, the the Thai thing not being throughout the whole episode to disagree with you and Misha. <laughs> I actually think it's a good thing because he's not quite there yet within the episode. Yeah, you know, I didn't think it was the end of the world. Um, that's what I just said. I said, look, you're pretexting as a dad, and, you know, that was sort of her idea. If, you know, a, an adult father would have a tie, so if we can get... <sighs> But it's, you know, and so and so I said after that scene, in fact, we let the camera roll a little longer, and you see him once he realizes he's not going to get out of there. Misha reaches up and loosens the tie again as sort of a you know button hook, you know exclamation point to the scene. Uh, you know, of course, we cut out of it quicker because you know you, you, that's like visual shoe leather for for us to linger too long on a scene. But um, yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't anything scripted. It was something that Misha had talked about, um, but hadn't you know go, you know we hadn't as a group talked about it and you know and tracked it so so nobody was looking out for it so when we shot that scene out of order it wasn't until later that we realized oh man you should have had the if you wanted to do that the, the blue tie you know the tie should have been on scene wise from from the you know from the office scene on but we have already shot something with you not with the tie anyway it wasn't the end of the world like I said, I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna disagree with Misha on this one and say it worked out. I think it worked. I think it worked out better. I'm yeah, I mean, now, sister, yeah, cause, for the cause, episode, I think it worked out better. Yeah, because he'll come back from the you know this this winter hiatus and uh, he'll have the tie on for the you know for the rest of the season. I think. I mean, I think that's the vibe. But um, anything could have changed. You know, who knows? I love I love the fact that he'll be wearing the tie that Claire gave him. I like that. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, you know that you know. There's always that that. Those kind of things where um, you you go okay well she says do you own a tie or do you have a tie or whatever her line is at the end I mean I like that little that that smash cut from do you have a tie to literally him clawing trying to loosen this tie like kind of get it back to you know how he was comfortable with it you know that was a nice directorial nice hard cut and that was how I had always read it and saw it and it worked out fine in the episode but. You know, where did he get the tie? Who gave him the tie? Did he go by? I mean, you know, and it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. You know, it's like one of those things where if you want to analyze these things to death, I mean, you know, you can poke holes in any story. But, yeah, whether she, you know, however he got it, he got it. And, and um, so it was it was, uh, it was, a, it was a nice little touch. And, it, you know, it was, again, it was sort of teasing the idea that he's going to complete the, the Castiel look or the Jimmy Novak look pretty soon. And So, yeah, I think it all worked out in the end. Um, I also, um, I was also I was wondering uh, real quick the Three Stooges video was that scripted or was that something you all picked out for Dean to be watching? No, it was scripted, and you know there's a certain amount of them that are public domain, so you we didn't have to pay for it like you would normally for another kind of clip. And they the post sent me a couple different um, choices, and I, I chose that one because the whole clip is like a minute and a half. I knew we were only going to use a second here and a second there. And it's a shame because we shot the whole minute and a half of them watching it, and there's one part part where um, they in that clip, if you know that, I wasn't super familiar with that particular episode, but you know they they get hired to be plumbers and they're just screwing this thing up and they eventually flood the entire basement, and they start with a close up of Mo on the phone and he's going, he's talking to 
like his boss and telling him, no, don't worry about it, we're going to fix it. And the camera slowly, you know, zooms back out and dollies out, and you realize he's standing in waist-deep water. And they're all like, the, now that's like a giant erector set of these galvanized pipes everywhere. And um, but, but Moe's dialogue in it, one of the first things he says is, no, Moose, don't be sore. Everything's going to work out fine. Just give us a couple more days or something to that effect. And I go, holy crap, he says Moose. <laughs> that's got to be the clip. So if you find that clip, if it's on, if it's on YouTube, if somebody wants to click on that or link link on it, I mean, it, it, it's it's it's. I think the title is something about plumbers or in the title of that particular episode. But I swear to God, he says that he he literally talks on the phone to a guy named Moose. So um, if we would have let the, you know, it dep- you never know what part of the of the clip we're going to use because we get you know we get their point of view and over their shoulders of the monitor, but um, you know it all played back. Um, as, as, about, as about a minute and a half clip, which was more than we needed, but that was the funnier one, just, you know, all the water going everywhere. And I was trying to think of some, you know, hoping that it would be something symbolic, you know, something that I could latch on to, um, you know. Um, it would have been a perfect one for a Leviathan episode, right, because they moved through the water, but, you know, it didn't, didn't quite work out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Speaking three, of themes, oh, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of themes, you usually have kind of a running motif in your episodes, like yep. the water. So I was yeah, wondering, a, what's, what's the motif for this one? Well, when I first read it, and you know, Randy and his house and getting these kids to steal for him, I'm like, holy crap, this is Oliver Twist. This is great. And then I really couldn't find, other than, you know, and it, it, it was sort of scripted that way when we first meet Randy, um, Roar Critchlow, who's an old, old friend, which I had no idea in the casting process. He's an old, old friend with uh, Jensen from their soap days. Um, when he comes out, he's got a big pot of uh, chili, and so it's kind of like that, you know, food, glorious food, you know. But I, other than that, I couldn't really latch on because we didn't see too much of Randy's house, and there wasn't. It wasn't like there was kids everywhere. We kind of, you know, what, and then what we did in, in in place of you know to give some kind of symbolism to Randy's house. If you look, all the stained glass in that dining room, and it's and it's quick. It's not. It's nothing we linger on. Um, Jerry Wanick, who, you know, again, is like I'm such a big fan of and who always comes through with really cool stuff. If you look in the stained glass, they're, uh, they're, sm- they're, they're Mark of Cain's. They're uh, in the stained glass of the Mark of Cain. So oh. look again, and, and it's mostly in big yeah. wide shots, like whenever, when, like, um, when Claire first comes home and, and she sees Randy being, you know, like you know, all these tough guys around him, and then later when the boys break in and, and get Claire out of there, you'll see it. It's kind of, uh, it's pretty subtle, but it's there. Um, no, but the main one I stuck stuck with, which which we did some good continuity, was you know again any kind of like white, bland institutional kind of thing. You know, one of my top five movies is Cuckoo's Nest, so mm. we we latched onto a bunch of cool like Cuckoo's Nest ideas. You can't really see it, but Ronald, who plays uh, you know the the male attendant at the uh, group home, he's his name tag. I think it was either Scanlan or Harding. It was one of the characters' names in. Uh, in Cuckoo's Nest, um, you know, because remember there was there was Martini was uh, Danny DeVito's character. They all had they all went by their last names and Billy Bibbit, of course. So you know, it's nothing that we ever got too close on the name tag to read it, but it, it's there. Um, you'll when they when they find um, Dustin outside of when he's on his way to his job at Wiener Hut and they catch him on his way in. And Dean comes walking up with the with the end of the hot dog that he pops in his mouth and. Behind them is a is a real hobby store, and by the way, the guy spent like 
they bought all kinds of drones and stuff between takes. They were running in there and throwing their credit cards down and buying helicopters. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> Cliff was making runs to the, to the car with like boxes and boxes of like uh, drones. And, um, we're 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 kind of we 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 were upset with them because they didn't have a, a '67 Impala model. And the guy says, "Believe it or not, we did, and we're sold out." <laughs> so we, we I believe that he redeemed the yep. middle. Um, but uh, that hobby store we couldn't use the real name of the hobby store so we made it mcmurphy's hobbies which is rp mcmurphy uh, that was nicholson's character right. um the tiki bar if you look at the on the glass behind the bartender it says um the tahitian chief because the chief character was uh you know um uh, i guess it was will sampson played chief so there's you know there's some names and some you know there's some stuff that we, we, we you know again I, I like to be subtle with that stuff and not not make a, a big deal of it because you don't my oh jeez, there's my eight pound my eight pound watchdog just saw the UPS guy go by. <laughs> um, you know the uh, go get as, him. Stella. As a storyteller, you don't want to get too sidetracked by by that kind of stuff and uh, and shoehorn it in too much. So it's there and it's subtle. But you know, again, this was this was a, a, a such a good script as far as you know our guys that I didn't really need to do a lot of that. You know the tiki bar. We just—it's a real tiki bar, and we just embellished the crap out of it with you know every kind of coconut and you know little little you know grass skirts and umbrella drinks, and we did everything we could. We even put Susie Hinton in the back there. She's back behind uh, Jared and all all of his coverage. Um, but uh, yeah, so so I would say there's some cuckoo's nest stuff, and there's a little bit of Oliver Twist, um, and then look for the. Um, the stained glass mark of canes in the stained glass because they're definitely there. I was I was happy about that. You know, again, uh, uh, when I block these things out, it's like if we get it, great. But I'm not going to go out of my way. I'm not going to make a, a meal out of something that is is subtext. And uh, so I'm always happy when they get in there. But I'm I'm glad that I don't go out of my way to make it all about the subtext and not the real thing, which is right in front of my face and which is really the important thing, which is kind of telling our our story with our guys. You mentioned now, we're talking about Randy, um, the food, food, glorious food. <laughs> and the running theme is, it seems to be that Dean is eating a lot in this episode. Was, yeah. all, was all the eating scripted? Yeah, well, two of the three things, yes. The the grilled cheese was, and, and I had said something about that, you know, the on, on Twitter, or I guess you know, I was live tweeting it, it was like, um, we and it was not that we did a lot of takes, but every, you know we had so many of these these fresh, right, hot off the the, the skillet um, grilled cheese sandwiches that every time Jensen took a bite, you know they were kind of rough on the roof of his mouth and and his I don't know if he was literally bleeding, but it was definitely the roof of his mouth was all scra- scraped up and scratched up. You know it's like there's other you know when you eat Captain Crunch or something that happens, and you know it's like you suffer for uh, you know good food sometimes. <laughs> Um, so it, that was a real thing that was scripted and, um, and definitely like, um, he, he, you know, he realizes Cass isn't going to eat his burger cause I don't believe Castiel eats right at all. So, um, mm-hmm. so that one was, was scripted that, that he, he realized he could take that up to, of course, you know, Jensen always brings this, this idea he looks around the room before he's, you know, he, he swaps place with him. I always love those little things that he adds. And then of course the, the mm-hmm. one that I wanted to add, they, you know, the pro, you know, I think Robin and to, to Jensen and said, hey, um, outside the Wiener Hut, guy wants to eat in a Wiener. He's like, uh, you know, another, why do I have to eat another hot dog? Why do I, so he comes to me, he goes, why am I eating again? And I go, well, you know, it's a little bit of a, for me, it's a, just a fun motif. I, I'm a big fan of motif as a, as a filmmaker that, 
you know, that that things there's a given to any character that you know, and I could give you a million examples, but you know, any any time there's there's a burger or, or pie or you know the you know going back to like season seven with the turducken sandwich, you know, there's there's I love those motifs, and I said, but but the other thing is you don't have to eat the whole hot dog. It would be as if you guys knew that Dustin was going to show up for work at some point. You're staked out in front of the place. I mean, he's a, you know he's a scrawny little kid. He's not going to you know you know come with guns blazing. So all you have to do is just confirm that that's who he is, and he's got his name tag on, so you're going to know. So we don't really need all three of you bracing him. It was scripted that Cass puts him up against the wall and lifts him off the ground, a la you know Darth Vader. Um, I said, but what could be fun is that you know right as as they realize that that's the kid and 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 Cass puts him up against the wall. You're coming out, you know, you might as well sample the local uh, cuisine here. Why not? You're coming out and you're just popping the dregs, the last bite of the hot dog, and you've got the you know the the paper they call them you know the hot dog boat, the thing that they serve it to you in, and you just crumble that up and you say you know somewhere in there that last line, which is I do what he says. That was all scripted. And of course, Jensen makes it so great. You know, when he he crumples it up, Sam looks over at him like, "What are you doing?" And he gives him like the <laughs> thumbs up, and yeah, that was all Jensen. And uh, you know, again, I'm I'm biting my lip behind the monitor, trying not to laugh. Um, so that that worked out great. And and you know, it, it, as we're shooting, I'm like, you know, this is this is there's a little bit of symbolism here as far as like this appetite and feeding the feeding the beast. And you know, we kind of kind of did a little bit. I remember we used to talk about like you know when when Benny was around that you know whenever he drank you know the plasma that he was he was like an alcoholic and he had to have a hit you know had to have a drink every now and again and that you know the even even last season um you know where where uh that we kind of treated there was you know Dean had like a bit of a an addiction so it's that kind of thing, like you know. Now you know that it was the Mark of Cain. So now you know. Now that the the addiction is, is he kind of has a handle on it, or does he? And um, you know, a lot of, a lot of times an alcoholic will replace alcohol with uh, a really strong black coffee. In other words, they find another thing that that they can do that kind of satisfies, but but it doesn't really satisfy it. So I you know so as we're shooting, I'm realizing, man, you know this this eating this kind of constant hunger is feeding the beast, feeding the Mark of Cain. So it's in there. It's subtle. It's not really scripted. Uh, two of the three were, but it wasn't scripted in a way that it said, you know, Dean voraciously attacks the burger. It was just like, you know, it was just kind of a, a you know, we call them sometimes just parentheticals where it's, it's you know, in parenthesis after, you know, a bit of direction. Um, it'll, you know, have Dean, and then it'll say eating a burger in parenthesis, and that's it. And it, it wasn't anything more than that in the script. But um, no, again, it's it's sort of another little subtext thing that I think worked, and was a bit of a happy accident. Um, you know, Wiener Hut was scripted. It was, it was. You know, again, it's in our universe. You know, all our bigger sins and gas and sip. And for this one, we created a new one called Snack and Sip because we realized that we didn't really need her to, to knock off a gas station. It just, you know, she just had to go to that little convenience store, which, by the way, was 100%. Um, manufactured by the art department, all those, they call them gondolas with, uh, you know, the food and the coffee setup and the cash register and all that. That's something that Supernatural owns because they've done so many of these. So all we had to do was find a, a blank, uh, you know, empty storefront, and we created that entire 
uh, you know, with Margie Cool signs and whatever. You know, we created that out of nothing. And um, again, you know, it's it's a testament to Jerry and his and his team that that are able to say we go. You know, we, well, you know, we look at real convenience stores, and then he's like, well, you know, if it's all the same, we can create. 95% of what's in this convenience store and everything's cleared. Everything's movable. The, the, the owner of the place isn't going to freak out if we want to move the cash register because it's ours. We own all of it. It's, you know, it's sort of something that is part of the, you know, the, the lexicon of what, what Supernatural has over 10 seasons acquired. So, so that was great. Again, you know, shout out to Jerry and the guys for that, the ability to put that together. Um, I think one of the best scenes ever in all 10 years of the show was the scene in the Tiki Bar when Sam and Dean are telling the John Winchester's CBGB story. Yep. Um, can you tell us about filming that? Um, was the yep. story scripted? Did Jared and Jensen ad-lib any of it? No, but, you know, right when before we shot it, you know, Misha, Misha pointed out and got approval from everybody that – because originally it was like uh, he says CB uh, – I think um, – Dean says CBGB or CBGBs. That's what I used to refer to it as. Um, and uh, it says that Castiel gives them a blank look, and they they describe they tell him, well, you know, it's a seminal punk rock club where the where the you know where um, where the Ramones got started, blah blah blah. And Castiel goes, you know, if I have all this super knowledge of, you know, all this this pop culture reference knowledge in my head now from last season, I would know that. So I could even cut them off and I could almost take the line. And so he got approval to do that. And so it worked out great because we gave the guys the, the uh, you know, the realization that, oh, you know, sometimes we don't have to describe these things like we had to, you know, in seasons past. Um, but no, that was pretty much scripted. It was, um, it was all sort of there. I, you know, I loved it because, you know, they don't talk about their dad very much. And so that was, that was a lot of fun. Cause, you know, it's a nice reminiscing thing. And it's, you know, again, it was sort of the, this, the other theme that, you know, of this episode was father knows best and, and, and Castile desperately trying to be father-like and be a father and, and experience what that's like. And so, you know, yeah, you may, your father may not, may not, um, or, you know, where he says to the, to the, to, um, in the in the group home, yeah, I'd I'd like to be your friend and and you know the the actress Jennifer Copping who's so great and who I've cast again in in I Zombie, um, says well see that's our problem Mr Novak is she doesn't need a friend she needs a parent so he starts to learn that lesson, and then when he realizes that the boy you know the boy you know that, that John Winchester said you don't like me fine I'm not you know, I'm not here to be liked I'm I'm here to raise you right. So you know, it, it was it was fun to kind of play with that theme of of watching Castiel learn what it, what a father is and does and is supposed to do. And um, so yeah, that was a great scene. It was it was scripted that way, and and I didn't want to get any too fancy with it. I mean, some of the best scenes are just let you know, just park the cameras, park the actors. Um, we we decided on instead of the guys ordering foofy drinks or ordering them and then sending them back or whatever, or looking at them sideways. It's like as soon as they sit down, we should just order three whiskeys. So I think that was an ad lib that, that Jensen threw in there. And then, you know, at the end, they all kind of took their shots. And, you know, that's the way we ended it with, the, with the, you know, another round. Um, yeah, good scene. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Because the, guy, the guys just came in and delivered. And, you know, we just, just kept moving the cameras and going tighter and going, you know, moving, moving around. It wasn't like we got to keep going. I mean, it was a long scene, too. I mean, there was a mouthful of stuff for Jensen to get through. And he... Um, it was it was uh you know as per usual with Jensen it it's uh it always goes pretty damn smooth 
Yeah, I have to say two things that you talked about with this theme that I do want to say. Like, I really love that Nisha caught that that continuity, and because that was a moment I really, really liked was for him to go, I know what it is because I'm a continuity junkie. Um, so, well, really yeah, like well, last that. season, right? Didn't Metatron give him the ability to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so he gave him all back. the pop, all the knowledge. Yeah, in fact, so I like that. I like that Misha caught that. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, well, that, I that, also like, yeah. So the last, as we say real quick, the last episode I did when they're trying to figure out how to get into, um, it's Misha and um, and Jared, and they're trying to figure out how to get into this gate of he- you know, get to the gate to heaven. Um, there's a line in there where he says, "I'm very pop culture savvy" or something like that. Um, there was there was a little ad lib there about you know where, where Misha said to me, "I would know this. I would know." So I can't remember what it was. I mean, I don't know if it was the riddle to get in or something, but but he caught it back then too. And um, you know, that's that's what's nice. It's like you know, it's very collaborative, and and um, and, and you know, you you, you 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 all work together to make it uh, work. And and you know, again, the, the 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 sticklers and the fans of the show. That's 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 a lot of times who we want to satisfy the most. Um, I remember mm-hmm. when I was when I was doing ER, it was a big thing is to kind of keep the continuity of what an ER do, ER doctor would really do, and not what Hollywood has told you you're supposed to do. Because the ultimate compliment was to get letters from real ER doctors that said, "I've been doing this 30 years, and this is the first show that's ever done it the way I would do it, and it's not how it's not anything I ever learned in medical school." So thank you for actually being a show that I can tell my student, you know, my my interns to watch because this is the way we do it. And so I think it's the same way. I mean, I think we're all, as as fans of the show, and you know, of course the guys. I figure that you know, the two Js and the two Ms own it. That's the you know they own the show, and so nobody wants to get caught, you know, with with something that is a glaring continuity. I mean, sometimes it happens, and that's just because you know, two hundred something episodes is there's going to be something that doesn't track always. But um, I think uh, you know. By and large, everybody's really protective of making sure the continuity is as good as it can be. And the other thing about that scene is they all take their they take their shots differently. Um, Sam and Dean take theirs. Uh, I don't even think they finish the whole shot, and Cass downs the whole thing very smoothly. Yep. I might add, um, yeah, I which I thought was Dean, I thought was a cool little Dean, thing also. Yeah, yeah, Dean polishes his off. At the very end, I mean, it's almost like, you know, again, an exclamation point to the scene, I believe. I can't remember. I mean, the important thing is that we establish that early on, you know, in, in a rehearsal, and then we go, okay, if that's where you're going to do it, do it that way every time. Because, you know, you, as, a, as a director and getting in the editing room, I don't want to be – you never want to be forced into a cut. So, you, you know, continuities. that's why, like, you know, levels of drinks and, like, when somebody wants to smoke in a scene and, the, you know, the, the cigarettes, you know, long and one, one – angle and then you cut to the reverse and now it's a stub you know i always I always caution actors i'm like look this is this is if you want to do this we're going to be all over you and, and it's going to and, and, you know it, it may it may slow us way down so a lot of times you know in the, in the name of not being the, the the cog in the wheel that that slows down progress a lot of actors will go, okay you know i don't really need to do that but but um you know again these guys are so good so seasoned that it it's never a problem so whatever we want to do you know, I just, you know, again, as, like a great conductor, I, you know, the best director should sit back and just let it happen and just, just be supportive. And I always say a conductor can't play the timpani or the tuba or the trombone or 
maybe he can a little bit, but he's not as good as the guy that, that he's conducting to do it. But a good conductor will know when to bring it in and when to let it, you know, okay, now you guys be softer. Okay, now bring it up. And, you know, you're, you're trying to keep the continuity over the whole thing. And so, um, you know, it's like it's like juggling ten, you know, uh, balls. I mean, you're going to drop one or two, but you try and keep as many up in the air for the entire shoot as you can because it will pay off in the editing room where you're not forced into cuts. Anyway, that's a long-winded thing that probably got really boring. I have a, I have a question about the scenes. Um, where where Dean has succumbed to the mark of Cain and and killed so many people in one scene. The first scene, the beginning with the nightmare and the end, of course, when it right. happens in reality, there's basically the same thing, and you know one's the dream or a premonition and the other is reality. How do you how do you direct those scenes knowing like one is the beginning, one's the end? They kinda have to relate but they're different. So well, I, I mean they're both I mean, from the beginning, we wanted to establish it wasn't a, a premonition. Like this isn't something that's going to happen at the end of the movie, and you know, and and, and you know, stay, stay, you know, re- get ready for it because it's coming. So, immediately, we I kind of talked about look and um, and uh, you know, and Serge and I both kind of said, well, it, it should it should be all washed out and sort of almost black and white. That was a given, and it's almost like the same. We call it the purgatory look. Um, so we knew we were going to do that. Now we shot it in the same room. And we shot it with the we had a, a technocrane, which is a you know a, a, a crane that will trombone, so it'll go out, you know, 25 feet and then trombone back into like eight feet, or maybe not that long, maybe like 20 feet, but it collapses upon itself. So we we could sort of repeat the same camera move. So once we got the crane in there to do the the end scene where you know everybody comes back in and we see that he's he's literally Dean has become a serial killer. He's killed innocent people. For, you know, I mean, innocent in that, you know, he's he's killed the whole room whether they needed it or not, which is, you know, kind of the shocking, you know, that's that's the thing that sends us into the winter hiatus, right? But what was really cool is when we finish that, we go, okay, we got all that. Um, Jensen came up to me and goes, now how scary do you want me to look for this premonition slash, you know, whatever vision that I have in my dream? He goes, because if you we're talking purgatory, let me get in that purgatory makeup. And Sabrina was right there, and she's, like, shaking her head, like, yeah, let's do it. And I go, well, I mean, how long does that take? And he goes, it won't take long. And then I knew it wouldn't take, I knew it wouldn't take any longer than basically what the art department construction visual or special effects all had to do, which was to turn that, that same room. They had, you know, we just, like, hit a stopwatch and said, go. And they tore that room apart. And basically they pulled out all the stained glass and they put in like metal, expanded metal wire mesh. Um, They painted it. They pulled all the furniture out. It's the same room because we wanted to keep that same, you know, that same kind of style, crane, technocrane move. And within 45 minutes, an hour, we were pretty close to being there. And then um, Jensen comes walking in in the full purgatory makeup. And it was pretty cool. I was like, no, oh, this is great. This is this is even better than I could have ever imagined. Because all we had really talked about was just kind of pulling the color out, washing it out, you know, again, for lack of a better term, the purgatory look. And then it wasn't until I saw it on Tuesday night that I realized that when, you know, and I'm sure this is Phil Screech's, um, you know, genius idea, which is let's kind of mix them. So as we do that camera move, let's kind of um, A-B them. So you see present day premonition present day premonition so you see like the black and white version and then the the real color version so the audience will will understand yeah it wasn't really a premonition but it's pretty close to what he saw in his dream that he was capable of doing this at the beginning of the episode 
Um, so yeah, so there you go. I mean, that, that's production design, makeup, um, photography. You know, you know, again, just making, kind of pulling all the colors out. Um, it was, it was, it was a blast to to see that transformation happen, to go from you know that you know whatever Randy's living room and dining room and turn it into kind of this hellish, indie neutral you know place. We don't know where we are and we shouldn't know where we are. It's just a bad place. I think the, the visual effects or special effects guys even like wove like um, vines through the, the expanded metal, like you know, like some old vines had grown into this place, and it's pretty cool, it's pretty great. Um, so yeah, so that was that was sort of the idea that that it shouldn't be, the audience shouldn't at the beginning go, oh, we can eventually see this room and, and Dean, you know, with blood and on his hands and on his face and then on knife and all that, or is this strictly just a bad dream he's having because he's under the influence of this mark. And I think it worked. I, you know, I'm happy with the way it got, you know, it all kind of came together in the end. I have a question regarding the same scene. I'm glad that it was this was brought up. Like, I saw you talking about it on, on Twitter, um, about the line that Jensen uh, utters about, I didn't, I didn't, I had to. Right. And you said that he purpo- you, you had him purposely mumble it. And... Yep that it's up to interpretation, Yep. which I like. But I want to know you, not as director, Guy B, but as I'm watching this episode, Guy B, and I don't know what's coming next, what was your interpretation? That something took hold of my body, and I wasn't myself, and I did this, and now that, because the whole thing was when Claire comes back in, that's why we had to have her come back in. I mean, that was a lot of debate about, I could see Sam getting the vibe in the car. That was, like, you know, the slow motion turn. Like, oh shit, something's not right. He should be in the. He should be firing up the Impala. We should be getting out of here now. We got what we came for. Let's get out of here. And when he realizes, oh shit, and then you know, we we, we knew we were going to do like a hubbub in the room, in the house that gets his attention. Like, oh shit. But the thing that kind of snaps Dean out of the the whatever the hold of this thing that took you know over him which make, probably doesn't make any sense, but um, whatever whatever took him over that made him turn into the serial killer, the scream, the piercing scream that, that Claire, you know, screams is the thing that snaps him out of it. Because I, I said there's no way that as a father you would let, if you there was a suspicion that there was going to be some nastiness in this room, that you would let your daughter go all the way back in there with you. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, Sam would have said, you guys stay here. Uh, I don't, you know, whatever. But but that was the, the device that kind of snapped him out of it. And once I, my interpretation was, as he got snapped out of it, he looked around and realized, oh my God, I just killed all these people, and I don't remember doing it. You know, it's like a blackout drunk. It's like I, I, you know, or you know, there's there's all kinds of cases of you know, DUI, you know, drunk drivers that have taken out you know rows of mailboxes, and they wake up the next morning, and the cops are there, and they look at their cars all dented up, and they're like, sir, we need to speak to you. And they're like, oh, I don't even remember. I don't even remember driving home. So people black out and are still capable of being very physical. So that was what I had always interpreted. And of course, we cover ourselves, and we have one that's scripted where it's very clear what he says. And then I had him do, you know, a more mumbly version, where it should be kind of left up to interpretation. I always think, you know, it, it you know, what do you think? Because I mean, there's, there, I'm sure there's a cross section of the audience that's like, well, we never saw what happened. Maybe somebody else did this and put the knife in his hand. You know, there's all you know. Your, your mind tends to go crazy with these things, and, and you know, because I remember somebody else said on Twitter about how come we didn't get to see the fight, and I was like, well, maybe there wasn't a fight, and it's also a lot more cinematic when it's implied, and 
I think anytime the audience is, sees the aftermath, your your mind is always going to go to a darker place than could really, than, you know, than than what happens in real life. In real life, you see that stuff, great, and we see it all the time on the show. I mean, we don't hold back on cutting people's heads off, and you know, I mean, putting putting angel blades through people's faces and all. That. I mean, so it's almost refreshing to not see it and have you interpret it what happened in your head. It's just more cinematic, and um, so I was really happy with that it was scripted that way. And um, you know, again, we got we got a nice. Um, you know, clean. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, whatever he said, whatever the script was, and I had him do a very mumbly version. I knew that they could always dub it in post or, you know, loop it, because I know we had enough to cut back to Jensen or to back over Jensen to Jared, and also I had that that shot of Misha where, you know, because earlier in the in the episode he goes, if I, you know, if something goes wrong, you got to kill me, you got to take me out, throw me into the sun, whatever it takes, but I don't want to live like this. So you see. Castiel grappling with that, like, oh my God, he's asked me to kill him, and now I have all the proof in the world that I need to, you know, that he warned me, and and so now that I have to do that. So that was another good cliffhanger too. Is is Castiel gonna do what he asked him to do? But anyway, hopefully that answered that question. <laughs> it did, and I think that you mentioned Claire because my my first thought when he uh, when they let Claire come back with them, and before. The whole point, her coming, her screaming, and then still staying here, my whole thought was get her out of here, get her out of here, get her yep. out of here. Yeah. So, and, and that's a good, because you should feel that way. Yeah. And, yeah, well, yeah, that makes sense. And, and, you know, because seconds earlier is when he gets her in the back seat of the car, he goes, you okay? And she says yes, and you realize that's the first time. I had her lean into him like, oh, my God, Castiel, is fi- he's a father, and this episode's going to end great. D- Dean's going to jump in, fire up the Impala, and say, get the hell out of here and, and we're going to see him go off into the sunset like we've seen so many times and of course that that's we all have the you know that rug ripped out from underneath us which i love um and you know that that was always the other thing it's like well sam would never leave his brother behind and i was like well true but if it's supposed to all happen and you know the way we'll cut this together it's going to appear like and, and we even have dean say guys go go and you see him backing out and then you see that the bad guys that are around randy start to walk forward and that's when he says that's when he makes that one move up, and he says, don't even think about it. And, of course, as an audience, we, we just watched, um, you know, uh, Salinger upstairs just get the, you know, his guts kicked in by Claire. So you're assuming he's out, and, and out of nowhere he comes and, you know, puts the beer bottle over his head. And so that's, that, you know, again, that's uh, those great horror movie things that you steal where the, the person you think is dead in the other room now has come back to life. And um, So I think it all worked. I mean, there was worry about it, you know, among some certain people on the crew, like, well, why Dean would never, you know, Sam would never walk away without Dean, and, and Dean would never do that. And it's like, well, yeah, but, you know, you, at the same time, it's like, it's going to cut together well, fast enough where I don't think it's going to Sam thought he, I, I, I thought Sam probably thought Dean was right behind him and didn't yeah. realize it. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I had him, he looks back at, at Claire and Cass, okay, that's good. He looks over the driver's seat, where, you know, where the fuck is he? He should be right here, and that's well. And because Claire is the priority in that moment, right, you know, right. not me, not Cass, not Sam. Yeah, I mean, if Claire you know, the actual they, priority. They even, they even backed into the driveway because they knew they wanted to get in and out quick. They didn't want to have to do a, a K turn in the middle of the street with these guys who have guns and knives. And, right. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and, and that's where, 
and God, Jared gave me more grief about that slow motion head turn. I said, it's going to work, it's going to work. And of course, that was the last scene we shot, or last thing we needed him for on a Friday night. And it was fairly early. I mean, it was it was not a late night. It was maybe 10 o'clock at night. And he was like, Let me, I just want to get out of here. we got a party tomorrow. And I'm like, just one more time, one more time. And he kept, you know, kept not, then he'd turn around and have a goofy, you know, look on his face and so but we finally got it and so hopefully the proof's in the pudding i haven't heard from him but i, I hope he, he 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 likes what how it looked his his hair looks awesome yeah as, as fans we're always going to love a slow motion fam hair <laughs> well you know i, I love we're I love suckers Denver. for it remember at the end of blood brother where where um benny you know dean brings benny back on the boat and they mm-hmm. and they and they start to sh- and they shake hands and he realizes he's a he's a vampire and he starts to he snaps off you know to to take his knife out that was all done in slow motion very little dialogue so I love all that stuff it's very cinematic and and um and even at, even the end of the last episode I did where where um where uh, Dean slashes uh, um, Gadriel right you know slices uh, you know right across you know Tomo and and. Uh, that was a lot of that was slow motion where, you know, he they shake and that was we talked about they they shake hands and, and Dean shakes with his left hand which just felt a little weird, and of course because he needed his right hand to pull the uh, you know the you know the, the first blade out and do what he had to do. So again, I love the I love the endings with the slow motion. I'm a sucker for that, and and it, you know it was sort of scripted that way, but you know hopefully hopefully you know that's what directors do is you embellish. A, a good idea on paper and, and bring it to life. And I'll say two things about the moments, you know, that moments we're discussing is, um, Eric Kripke said years ago when, you know, when Dean dies in season three and everyone was like, we never see the hellhounds. Why didn't you give us the hellhounds? And he said, it's better when you don't see it. Yep. So I, I it's the same thing, but also the episode where we're introduced to Kane that you know, the last thing we see of Cain is him telling a room full of demons, you know, he pulls up his sleeves and they're gone, they're done. So for Dean to do it, it should have been within seconds. It, it should be super quick, and that's the yeah. whole point. My opinion, yeah. and my interpretation. That's the whole point. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. you know, again, again, it's cinematic versus you know, sort of, you know, if you were to read it. If this would have been a novelization of the, you know, this episode, or you know, if it would have been a short story, you would have been had complete, you know, description of all, you know, of all every little thing. But that's what that's what that's, you know, why cinema is such a unique storytelling device because it's it's images, and and sounds and sound effects and music and and uh, you know it can work on you, on a bunch of different levels instead of just you know your 100% interpretation of the way you've read it. Um, so yeah, that's why it's you know for me it's it's. Uh, you know, the, the most, you know, well, that's why I do what I do, I guess, ultimately. And I think in a couple minutes i got to go. i got I got a nine-year-old that needs me at gymnastics. <laughs> I'm Mr. Oh. <laughs> that's a fa- that was a fast hour, huh? That mm. was super fast, yeah. Do like it another... always is with you. You have the best stories. <laughs> I could probably do another maybe five, ten minutes. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, was there any gag reel-worthy moments? Yeah, I think there was some good stuff. I mean, you know, I got to say, Catherine Newton kept it together so well in the face of these guys just being complete, you know. The, you know, the, she had the baptism by fire, especially that scene where after Cass pulls her out of the snack, snack and sip and, you know, she pull, she you know puts the gun on the guys where she calls them, you know, bite me, hustle off and all that. Um, 
they were just t- completely trying to trying to screw her up, and she did great. And uh, I'm so proud of her. I said, man, you, you know, you really could have been really upset with these guys, but you you know you embraced it and you had fun with it. And the other great thing is that what we found out a couple of days in the shooting is that Catherine, even though she's 17, she could go pro as a golfer. We're and it's funny we we're talking in between setups and moving mm-hmm. the cameras and stuff, and and Catherine was talking about golf and. Of course, Jensen and her are talking, and, and she goes, yeah, well, it's weird. Every time I go to, to qualify for the U.S. Open, I get a job. And Jensen kind of did one of these, uh, 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 excuse me, what did you say? <laughs> and he, it, was genu- it was genuine. She goes, yeah, I mean, I, you know, my dad, my dad started taking me when I was eight, and I hated it, and then I got better at it, and I could, I could qualify. They tell me I could go pro. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. So, of course, when we got back on stage, um, we had a, I, I think it was just a regular lunch, but um, – Cliff grabbed um, Jensen and, and Catherine, and, and uh, well, as soon as we broke for lunch, they went over to a driving range. And, of course, they came back, and I said, well, how is he? And she's going, yeah, he's pretty good. And that's what I said to, to Jensen. I go, how is she? He goes, she's, she's damn good. And, of course, somebody, you know, I guess Cliff had, had shot, you know, iPhone video of him. And, yeah, she's got a pretty sweet swing. I'm not a big golfing person, but I know she's pretty good. I could just tell. So so that was fun. So So immediately those two hit it off. And so the idea, and she brought her clubs. She brought her clubs not knowing that Jensen was a big golfing fan. So I think on when she came back up for another episode, they were going to try and get a round in on a weekend, which is so great. Mm-hmm. You know how, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. When you, you know when you when you bond with somebody that you that you're working with, um, and yeah, so she she's great. And and in in a, you know like um, the guy that played Salinger, Thomas Newman, one of his first um, big gigs with a lot of lines. Um, I loved his look. Um, he was so enthusiastic and so excited. And, um, you know, they kept saying to me, you know, we're not going to show him in a tank top, right, because he's got a bunch of tattoos. I said, no, he's always going to be in the leather jacket and all that stuff. He shows his tattoos. He's got, like, Jack Nicholson from The Shining with his face, you know, coming through the uh, the door that he just hatched. He's a huge cinema fan. He's got, like, Godfather, like, you know, he's got Marlon Brando tattoo. So Thomas and I hit it off. He did great as Salinger. And then my kid that played Dustin, Jake Guy, that was like his his first thing that he had ever done, like, on camera. He'd done a bunch of plays. I think he had been, like, in a really, really small part as, you know, part of a group of kids. And uh, he did great for me. I you know, was really happy with what, you know, he just had a great look. And it's, it's so funny. Real quick story. We're, we're shooting the scene where, um, you know, we meet him. And, uh, so he he's kind of got a little bit of a like a greaser look like from uh you know from the outsiders and Susie Hinton sitting behind me I go you know he kind of looks like Matt Dillon and and the outsiders isn't that weird and she's like nah Matt's better looking or something to that effect. Ah! it's like it's like she couldn't she 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 didn't acknowledge the fact that yeah Jake actually does kind of have a little bit of a greaser resemblance but um yeah I had a, had a really great guest cast I was real happy with everybody to the point where I brought Jake Jennifer Copping and uh, and Ronald, who played the uh, you know the two uh, in t- attendants at the um, at the group home, I brought all of them with me on the iZombie, um, which is a, n- a cool show you guys are going to love on the CW in, in January. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's really cool. You guys are going to love it. And also, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, in August I did a, a show called The Messengers, which is another CW mid-season that I think uh, everyone that, that's a Supernatural fan will really dig as well. So I'm excited for everybody to see those new shows. Cool. Yes, I've been looking forward to both of those since I've heard yeah. about them. Yeah, because, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's it's sort of right, if you know, in the wheelhouse of, of genre fans. It's like there's a little bit of everything 
for, for or every, everybody that is a Supernatural fan, I think, can find something in both those shows they like. Anyway, any more questions? Good. <laughs> okay, I got five more minutes. <laughs> well, let's go for it. Okay, let's see. Let me look at my questions. I got a list here. Let's see. <laughs> uh, we answered most of them. And by the way, look, uh, you know, uh, anybody that that has a question that I didn't answer or is just wants to elaborate, always ask me on Twitter. I mean, I, you know, if I, and I'll always answer you back. The, it, the only, and don't take it personally if I don't. It's only because life is happening and I've got to do something or. You know, and but I'll eventually try and get to everything if uh, if you guys want to send me stuff. So I'll uh, go for it. Um, speaking of Twitter, um, Dogpaw DK wants to know what was the hardest scene to film. Uh, oh, it wasn't anything too super difficult on this one. I mean, maybe just the all the stuff with um, you know, Dean with the dead bodies. You know, ultimately the the last scene. Um, just that that's that changeover and trying to make it you know work and 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 do what I wanted it to do, which is so the audience will go, you know I've sort of seen this before in a different way, you know again you know it, it a lot of it was achieved through the you know the the photography and the makeup and stuff, but um yeah, I think that just because you know when you're dealing with prosthetics, you gotta send actors out to trailers and you got a bunch of extra makeup people on the set that day, and you know because we filleted like we had like big body pieces and you know stuff like you know, guts hanging out and stuff it was pretty great um mm-hmm. and and throats cut i think uh, you know rourke had a big uh nasty you know slit throat and you know that stuff just takes time and you know um you, you know you're always you, you gotta always be aware of you know the clock and and how many hours you have per day to achieve the work that's on the call sheet and uh but that I'd say just that, that that whole you know sequence, both of them, the premonition and, and the um, the real present day stuff was tough. And I'm I have not... one last quick question before okay, you go, go away. Go for it. Because um, there's been a little bit of debate. Because you can't ever tell with Jared Jensen, Nisha, Mark playing on Twitter now, all four of them together. Mm-hmm. You can't always tell easily what's what's truth and what's them screwing with each other. All right. Well, but... let me see if I can help. <laughs> <Might not be. laughs> The line that Cass says where he said, or, you know, he said, Dean says midlife crisis, and he says, I'm very old, I think I'm entitled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared said that was ad-libbed, but, of course, was he just teasing Misha about his age, or did Misha really ad-lib that line? No, that was scripted, and I think, yeah, I think Jared okay. was fucking around with him, yeah. I thought so. I thought so. I thought some debate. Because Misha's really old, he's like 40. He's like an old guy, thirty <laughs> something. Yeah, no, I love that. That's always we all jo- joke around about like the CW casting. It's like, and then you know there'll be some wise old professor at the college, some old guy. I don't know, like maybe like forty three years old, and I'm like, you son. Of <laughs> ah, <old guy."> yeah. <laughs> but so, that, yeah I figured it was scripted, but yeah. But um, I you know for all the people out there who had the question, I figured we'd have it answered just. Yeah, there while was, you're here. Yeah, I don't remember there being a ton yeah. of ad libs. I mean, it was pretty straightforward. Um, it was nice because, because you know, again, it was it was a party atmosphere. In fact, when we were shooting all the scenes, you know, where where Cass was trying to get, you know, all the stuff with Jennifer Copping, um, you know, the the um, the nurse, and you know, sort of a nurse ratchet vibe to her too. If you look at her hair, um, a la Cuckoo's mm. Nest. Those two scenes, and the one where where you know where Jared is pretexting as the detective, while we were shooting those scenes, uh, a giant bus pulled up and Eric Kripke and um, all the Warner Brothers executives 
Um, I don't think Mark Pedowitz was there, but it was definitely Peter Roth and like his whole team, and they all got wow. out of the van. And there was a there was a giant. Somebody posted, I think Rosie posted a picture because they they made director's chairs up for all of them. There must have been like fifteen to twenty of these director's chairs. And we were in a, in a little place, so nobody really got over my shoulder. But I, man, that, that's intimidating. That's daunting, knowing they're all watching the monitor. And, no um, pressure. Yeah, but it was a, it was yeah. a real, that whole that whole episode was a real party atmosphere because, like I said, I shot seven days, and then that was Friday was my seventh day, and then we had the party Saturday night, and then everybody could recover on Sunday, and then uh, Monday was my last day, so it was uh, it was really a, kind of a fun, you know, atmosphere. Nobody was like stressed out and everybody's really excited about the party and what they were going to wear and all that stuff so it was a lot of fun and then with that i think i have to split it. i'm sorry but okay mr mom for the day well thanks we appreciate you yeah guys you know when you're coming back next to supernatural do you know i don't you know um no, I'm kind of I I haven't announced anything yet, but I have a little movie that I may be directing, a little low budget kind of uh, Hitchcocky and suspenseful, um, just kind of putting cool. the, the the finishing touches on. It. I hope I hope I didn't jinx it just now, but um, there'll be some familiar people I think in the cast. Hopefully, uh, is that the last day we had you? You said there was something you were you were doing, but you didn't want to talk about it at all. So. Uh well, God, two years ago I did like a Microsoft presentation pilot that potentially would have been like for Microsoft Studios, like their, like their version of Netflix or whatever, you know, mm. Hulu. But um, it looks like they've they've kind of sh- sh- and I did it. I shot the whole thing and it was great and we had a blast. And but they shuttered that whole division, so they're not going to go forward with original programming at Microsoft. It would have been mm. for Xbox, but um. Aww. Yeah, I know it was a bummer because it was a really good idea and it would have been the first show that would have been. Like simultaneously coming out at the same time that they released the video game, so it would be a companion piece. So if you were a fan of the video game, you could you could watch episodes of the show. They would be like 15 minute episodes. So um, you know, we'll see. They may dust that off in the future. Who knows? Well, we'll be keeping our fingers crossed for your movie. So. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think everybody be excited about um, sort of my guest cast because we're, we're that's a big part of pulling this together too is getting you know actors that I like and. And so far, um, we're doing good. I just hope for hope, you know, hope hope it gets the green light here any minute, and we proceed. Okay. <laughs> but thanks, guys. Okay. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. Thanks, course, guys. Always a pleasure, guys. Okay. Thank we'll you. Talk soon. Okay. Bye. 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 And to our listeners, stay on because we'll be talking about the episodes. If you want to listen to us, that would be great. <laughs> yep. Don't go. <laughs> We have more. We have more to say. <laughs> and, and it's always fun to have Guy because Guy can make me appreciate an episode that I may not have appreciated as mm-hmm. much. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's, that's what they go through. That's a big spoiler to how I felt about this episode. <laughs> and I love this episode. I love oh my god! Every <laughs> I'm I glad one good of us for you. I love yeah, everything about this episode. Cause <laughs> you, I've been telling you guys for weeks that I've been looking forward to, to Claire. Well, and, and I was too, which is why I didn't like it. <laughs> and, and see, mm. it was, you know, I love the rapture. It's one of my favorite episodes. It, mm-hmm. It's just, I was mm. learning all about Jimmy Novak. I and yeah. I liked it too. And so, you know, getting Claire back, I was uh, so excited about it. And, I just love the whole, I loved her storyline because, yeah, it, it makes total sense that this is what Claire would have turned into. 
And, you know, especially finding the only part I, you know, at first I was like, I didn't agree with was what her mom did about her mom leaving her and everything. But then I got to thinking, well, no, that makes sense. She was possessed by a demon. You know, um, her husband was possessed by an angel. They got kidnapped, you know, and all this stuff. It makes sense that her mom would go crazy. So, and it goes back. To, it goes back to what I said a couple of weeks ago in terms of why I don't have an issue with the, with the, with Ruby's knife because I kind of feel like it's a mercy in a way. Because how do you live after that? What do you do right, to yourself right. if you've been possessed by a demon or an angel? Like I, so my rationalization for the vessel was always it's kind of a mercy. So I, I, that's how I had canoned this. I can guarantee you that's not remotely accurate to what anybody was thinking. But in terms of writing this episode, but that's fine. Um, I here's my thing. I was super excited for Claire's story. I have a couple issues with with things and. Uh, my first is, is that I don't think this should have been a mid-season finale. Mm. I um, I, I just don't. agreed. It was. It didn't have. Well, it didn't have. And not not because of. And not necessarily because of the the content. Well, and the content, but because it just for me did not have the drama that I felt it should. There were lines that Claire said that I thought were were really well. Uh, they were good lines, like when she tells him when she when they're in the alley, and she's telling him how he's ruined her life, and when she turns the gun on Sam and Dean, and you know, and she recognizes them, and that whole scene really should have been. It was well directed. It was the dialogue that fell flat. The words were right but there was something wrong, off about them. And I, I wanted like to it. feel more for her. And I feel like part of it is that I would have really liked for her to not have been the typical bratty little shit. I think that would have made me feel a little more in line with her other than, you know, had she not gone through this, it would have her character would have been that kind of shut up kind of character. And the only thing that brought it back is she's gone through, and I don't think we got enough of that. And again, because I, I, there was too much in the episode and also not enough for me. My And like I said, partly, I really think this, this episode had no business being the mid-season finale. None whatsoever. I, this was, I definitely agree with that. This was very and, much, and, yeah, this was very much a, a uh, yeah. I don't want to say filler because it wasn't filler, but this was a a middle of a, a, a middle of the first half, middle of the second half kind of episode. Yeah, and I like that we find out about we found out more about Claire and, and what happened to her, but it did not. I felt it did not belong in this particular episode as a mid-season finale. Big mid-season finale needs to be a, 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 the majority of it needs to be about Sam and Dean and this this huge thing with Dean and the Mark of Cain still having its influence and, and everything. And I would not have minded a, a little, a little bit more of, of um, cast looking for Claire and maybe finding her. But the majority of this episode should have been about Sam and Dean and, and that storyline. Um, the and way I, 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 
I just felt Claire's parts were kind of mad to me. I mean, and, you know, she's angry at Cass, and she's got reason to be, and I thought a lot of what she had to say was 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 good and, and right, but I just, I don't know, it was just too much. It was just too much in this episode. The, the line where she says, well, I pray to you, and he says, I know, that, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that moment should have, yeah, and that, like again, the words were right, but there was something about that moment that didn't have the impact that it should have for me, because I thought, oh my God, you, you know, again, for all intents and purposes, I didn't get enough of, uh, I, I'm trying to, to pick and choose what, how I'm going to praise this very, very carefully, as I'm going to preface that with this, is I didn't get enough of how much of an asshole Cass is, or I should say was, in terms of the journey that he's made since then. It wasn't enough. Him saying, I know, you know, I I just didn't feel the impact that it should have had. I didn't feel it. And see, whereas for me, I did feel it. It broke my heart. Because I was, yeah, um, I wanted it to break my heart. And that's why I said the words were technically right, but it wasn't enough for me. For me, it it was, because I felt, I was like, oh, this poor girl, she's been praying to the angel who took her dad, and then here she's finding out that the angel, yeah, he did hear it, mm-hmm. yeah, he did nothing. And, that you know, was actually that, a moment I did like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, and, and like I said, I liked the words, okay. but there was something about it that I wanted more in terms of somebody calling Cass on that, in, in more of a, it's not enough that for him to say, for me, it wasn't enough for him to say, I know and then her reaction shot, I kind of wanted more horror from Sam and Dean about it. And, and <laughs> in that, wow, you never listened to this girl? And, 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 and the fact that, you know, she prayed to Cass and he's never mentioned it. He's never even batted an eyelash. He clearly ignored her for six, seven years. And yet Sam and Dean pray to him and he's like, yeah, what's up? What do you need? I wanted more horror from them about that. Wow, this is our friend. What a, you know, wow. I wanted that. I also felt like, you know, their but reaction. But they also prayed to Cass and he didn't show up. But they, they have prayed to him and he didn't show up. Well, but when he didn't show up, it was one in season six when he was betraying them and trying to hide mm-hmm. that. Right. And usually the few times where he doesn't show up, it's because he's in the middle of something. But really, the only time he didn't really, really show up is when he was trying to BS them for a whole year. Um, so uh, there's that. To me, there's all. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I know there were a lot of people who didn't like this episode. Very few of us that actually did. Um, yes, but walk to me, alone. it felt it felt very much a supernatural episode to me because one, supernatural saving people, hunting things, the family business. This was all. This episode was all about family. I mean, you know, it was all mm. about the family business. We had, you know, Claire and Castiel, that family right there. We had, um, you know, Sam and Dean talking about, you know, telling a John story. Which when is the last time we've heard, you know, a John story? Uh. I don't think we've ever heard a John story. And I mean, there was just, you know, then Claire had her little fake family with Mike Horton from Days of Our Lives, and you know, it was just. It was just family everywhere. And, like, I've heard some people say, but there was nothing supernatural happened in the episode. Well, you know, remember back the Benders? That was people. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was nothing supernatural in that, yeah. that episode yeah. However, and the point of the Benders was that it was an anomaly. Super- 
we did have supernatural things in this episode. We have the Mark of Cain. Um, that is not normal. That's a supernatural thing. We have a story of Castiel's an angel. That is a supernatural and, thing. And I just, but those you know, are all the people. The people those are that are constants. I, you know, the rapture was another, it was another episode that was almost exactly the same. And so I think, you know, once every three or four seasons to get an episode about um, Castiel, Jimmy Novak, and his family, I see nothing wrong with that. And I... No, and I don't either. I don't either. I have no... That's not my issue with this episode. That is not my issue. My issue is I don't think an episode focused on Castiel or his family or anything like that belongs as a mid-season finale. I'm sorry. And that's another thing. And I people get talk- that people disagree with me on that, and that's fine. You can disagree, but it is my opinion as well. I don't believe that this episode had any business being placed where it is, one. And Two, that's you're, you're referencing the rapture, but my difference, again, between the rapture and this is the rapture was a far stronger script. Mm. And the thing, well, I, yeah, I'm In my opinion. <laughs> um. And then, and, and then also, you know, the mid-season finale thing. I really don't. It's just the, you know, within the last two, three years, has people, um, TV bloggers and critics and everything, been calling the episode before the winter hiatus a mid-season finale. Yeah, Supernatural has had cliffhangers at that point before, but it's never. It's mid-season finale being a thing hasn't really happened until the last two or three years, and. To me, the placement of it was fine. I saw no problem with it at all. Yes and no. The mid-season finale, that's what we call it, and that's new, but the existence of it is not new, and it's happened since at least season two. I didn't Mm -hmm. watch season one in real time, but season two had it. Every season had it. In Mm. fact, I went and looked at I specifically went and checked that not too long ago when the spoilers for this episode hit. Um, I specifically checked that. And whenever we have a break, which call, we call it a hiatus, the mid-season, but it's, for all intents and purposes, it's a winter break because TV networks know that people are busy this time of year and they're not going to really watch TV as much, and therefore it's not worth the ad dollars. So, yes, it, it, it's existed. And I do, mm-hmm. and I don't think that necessarily something like, you know, you know the, the running theme of Supernatural has been, or they're always going to kill somebody you care about. You know, we're going to lose the Harvells. We're going to lose Kevin, whatever it may be. Um, but the whole point, I think, um, if as a network, if I was the network or the writers, is I would want to make sure that I have an episode. There's nothing about this episode that makes me feel like, oh my god, hurry up these next six weeks. There's not. Oh, you're, um, you're kidding me. That ending? Oh, I'm dead serious. I am absolutely dead <laughs> serious. <laughs> oh There's nothing, God, nothing about this episode. What? Okay. I'm someone who watched the show. Where, who are you? Where were you? <laughs> I, I, I thought that ending was, oh, my God, Sam and Dean broke my heart. And it's like I'm dying now for yes. To come back. Oh, I, I, yeah, no, that 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 scene. But what about that scene in mid-season, though? We've had scenes like that already. So again, while I like the moment, I don't think it's well placed, and I'm sorry, I don't. And I respect that's, that for you, but I highly disagree. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you're loving as well. Well, there are there are where my favorite. Never agree. This, yeah, this no, episode and that's fine. for me it was about. 
10 minutes long because it was all of Sam and Dean's yep. scenes. And not that I, I, I was pretty mad about Claire's scenes sometimes and Mark Shepard and Ruth Connell are just amazing as, as, um, mother and son. Um, and, and, I, and, I and I, I, so again, another complaint I have is there's, there was way too much in this episode. Again, it was like, mm-hmm. you know, under Crowley and then the dungeon and then the thing, whatever I would have been fine. It's going to have a mid season finale. If they're going to call it that or whatever they're going to call it. And if they're going to have it, it better be worthy of that title. And it, and it needed to focus on again, I'm sorry, I'm saying it again, Sam and Dean, and their story with um, the Mark of Cain. Or and, if you're not, I, I yeah, did love if you're not going to focus on them and the Mark of Cain, then don't put it in there. Yeah, I, yeah. So, but um, but but their scenes, I did love them, and I did think the uh, ending was just amazing and heartbreaking, and that I, I, I loved, and I, I, I can't wait to get that back to that part of it. Um, but but it which was we like, don't in the next. I had episode, to wade so. through. I had to wade. Thank goodness. I had to wade through so much other stuff that I was like, <laughs> kind of looking around and like, man, I'm like, oh, this is this. I, it's not that I'm not interested or, or was interested in finding out what happened to Claire. That's definitely um, a thread that needed picking up again. But I wouldn't have picked it up for this particular episode, knowing knowing that they all went into it saying, "Yep, this is our big mid-season finale, and, right, and this is uh-huh. going to be a big part of it." And I'm like, "No." And that's yeah, and that's that's the other thing. Like, yeah, we we can argue the idea of the mid-season finale, but the fact is, this episode was written to be that in mind and in terms of the I writers. I think Claire. Uh, we already know Claire's coming back. Guy talked about it, you know. So we already mm-hmm. know Claire's it's coming been back. It's a long-term spoiler. So I think she's going to be a, a big part in the in the story and I think that's they in, in, they introduced her in this but it wasn't in this episode so again and my focus is this episode not what's going to happen well I think focus for, is I this think episode. for what's going to happen in the future things had to be set up in this episode though okay well if we were on Twitter I would be um, sending you my lower your expectations gift first of all <laughs> because <laughs> yeah fact um also, here's here's a couple things I'm going to say. I'm going to start off with the funny thing, and it's going to be really mean, and Andrew Dobb, if you're listening, both the things I'm about to say are going to be really mean. But technically, one of them I didn't say, so we'll go with that. As we were watching the episode, I was watching it with my mother. Usually, we watch together, but circumstances, I watched it, and then um, she just watched it yesterday, and I watched it with her. And about halfway through the episode, she said, this is boring. And I said, nothing. And about near the end again, she said, I'm not crazy. This is boring, right? And I just looked at her and I said nothing. And then when the credit, when the you know, we got to the end credits, I turned around and I told her, fun fact, this is the same guy who wrote Bloodlines. And she said, well, no wonder I was bored. And then she went, wait, they didn't fire him after that? Oh, dear. <laughs> My- she, because she's not in fandom, she doesn't care who hears her. But you know, the only time anybody ever knows what she says is if I say it on the podcast. So, he, you know, and he she, and she doesn't listen to us, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> she doesn't know. And he also wrote, out. you know, he wrote Rackenbach this year, which was yeah, that's probably great, my very favorite episode, episode of that season. I was not okay, and I'm going to talk about that because I had a conversation with two different people about this today, or in the past few days. 
Everybody was really excited about Reichenbach. And here's my feeling about Reichenbach. I think it was technically the best Miss Arc episode we've had this season. I do not think it was that great of an episode. I think it was okay. And I think what makes that episode is the fact that it's it's technically the third episode that we had with Jensen being Demon Dean, and I think that's the, that's the, that's the point where he really got a feel for it, which is, you know, is, is sad because it's for him the last episode he got to film being that character. Um, but I think for me, I, I didn't enjoy that. I didn't dislike Reichenbach. I don't hate it. I don't have, I just don't care. I, I don't care. The last Andrew Dobb episode I cared about was Devil May Care and prior to that clip show, which I think are both really good episodes. Here's my main critique about those episodes and pretty much every Andrew Dobb episode that he's written on his own, I don't feel like he writes Sam and Dean. I don't feel like he writes the brothers. He can write either or, or he can write a story very around them, but I don't think he writes them very well at all. I just don't. He wrote he wrote I'm not school special. Yes, not alone with Lawson. I specifically said Okay. <laughs> I, uh, yes, I know. I and everybody knows I love after school special. Everybody knows I love Plucky Penny Whistles uh, and again, that's why I specifically said uh, on his own. Because this is something I feel. And I, I can't, I'm not going to be, you know, I can't say, well, it's because Laughlin was the one who was able to write that, or maybe it's a symptom of not having a writing partner, maybe it's a symptom of having a different showrunner. Whatever the reason is, that in my opinion, I do not feel he writes the brothers very well um, as a unit. My other issue with this, and I get why they're doing it, I, I get it, I do, but it's my problem with Demon Dean in Reichenbach specifically, specifically, in general, for the three episodes we get him and we get Sam as well, is that in order to make it so that we don't turn on Dean, they have to give him kills that, as a person, you you aren't upset about. So for me, Dean killing a room full of guys that were, A, try, going to kill him if they could have, and B, were Lone Shark child rapists? How am I supposed to get horrified over that? I'm not horrified. This is a point that I agree with you on. This is a point that I agree with you on. Uh, Yeah, that was the thing that got me. Everybody, you know, the thing, it's supposed to be such a horrifying thing that he killed all these people. The only horrifying thing to me was that he did it really fast, that he has the power to do it (laughs) super fast. Other than that, I don't care that he killed. I'm perfectly fine. With him killing uh, somebody who was selling out what he called his daughter, and you know the, the guy who was going to rape her, you know I'm perfectly fine with him killing them. You know, and, and and the thing is, is you know Sam running in and saying, "Tell me you had to do this." Well, kind of. Even if Dean didn't have a much cane, he kind of did because let's not forget, Sam and Dean are humans, and those were guns. And though he was over, he was outnumbered. And so, yeah, mm. he had to do it. And so, yeah, the air quote horrifying thing was the way he did it, the ability to do it so fast, whatever, whatever, you know, the the level of mm. I didn't just plunge and move on, I massacred them. But I'm too busy going, damn straight, 
And it's the same thing with yeah. with, with with Lester in in Reichenbach is I, I can't bring it to myself to be upset that, that Dean killed a misogynistic douchebag. I just why am I supposed to be upset? You know, he had already he was gonna kill his wife. It's being upset that the guy who takes a hit out and this happens in real life, it takes a hit out on his wife for um insurance money turns around and gets killed by, you know, double-crossed by the hitman. Why am I supposed to feel bad for you? And I get why they're doing it. Like I said, you know, it has to be the kind of thing that Sam and Dean do where when everything is said and done and everything's fixed, you're not going, whoa. And also it has to be something that Dean can get over, that he can justify once he's fine again. So, again, I get why they're doing it, but then don't tell me I'm supposed to be horrified because I'm very much not at all. Mm. Yeah. And it was basically self-defense. They mm-hmm. were and yes. was outnumbered, outgunned. They'd but hit him already I, a couple of times. But I think, see, from Sam's point of view, if you look at it from Sam, he didn't see them hitting him over the bottle. Right. You know, hitting him. Mm-hmm. What Sam saw was Dean backing out, leaving. That's all. He didn't see, you know, them basically attacking. So that's where Sam comes in, you know, tell me this is self-defense, you know, and everything. Because he didn't see uh-huh. it. And, and, yes, I can get Sam's concern. And, wow, finally Sam gets to show. Okay, let, I'll get back to that in a second. Um, but, I, again, it's a touching moment. The face grab, the tell me, the Dean's completely lost look. It's a great scene. It's a great moment. It is not mid-season finale. Sorry, it's just not. It it's like it's that is episode fourteen level to me. I, I'm not. Um, my other issue, and I'm kind of spoiling myself because I've already written this out because I do the roundtable on screen fad every mid-season and end of season with a bunch of people. Um, so. That'll be usually <laughs> allow me to plug something that I do for another website really quick. Um, but they're all friends of ours, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, usually we do our round our roundtable with ScreenFad. We all do it right after, but this year we're changing it up and we're gonna we're gonna do it. We're all working on it now, but we're not actually gonna go live until right before we come back. We just find that to be um, a slightly better time frame. Um, and so, again, I'm spoiling myself by saying this because I've already written this, but what my problem with this this episode in particular and the last episode that I didn't like, which was 10.07, is Girls 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 was, was an episode that was existed for no other reason than to justify this episode. And this episode exists for no reason, in my opinion, in terms of where it's placed. How does girls, so girls, you, girls react relate to this episode? I don't get the that entire one. girls, girls, girls is nothing but exposition to make this episode make sense. It's the introduction of Rowena. It's the it's the for now tying up of Cole. It's Dean saying, you know, I only said it for this reason, and Sam giving him the patented Sam Winchester. I, I don't know how to talk I think anymore. We, look of concern. Um, I, it, pull, I don't think girls, girls, girls was needed for this episode. I think you could pull that episode. No, no, no. I'm not saying it was needed. I'm not saying it was needed. I'm saying that's why it exists. Because I did not like Girls, Girls, Girls at all. No, I didn't either. Um, But Girls, 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 the entire point of Girls, Girls, Girls is for nothing else than to have this episode 
have less exposition. It's it's exposition for this episode. That's all it is. It's why it's why it's why Cass looks up Claire. It's everything in that episode exists solely because, like you said, girls girls can go away. I don't care about it. You don't care about it. Neither one of us liked it. I don't. Susan didn't like it that yeah. much either. Each individual the only reason, yeah. right? It was just yeah. too many of them in one episode. Right. Why was it too many? Because it, it the only reason that episode exists is that this episode doesn't have to have exposition and can go straight into those storylines. That's it. That's the only reason for Girls, Girls, Girls. I resent that. I resent that you have to have an entire bad episode in order to set up a mid-season finale that I feel does not live up to what what the Claire storyline felt like. What I, and I'm not even going to say what I wanted because this was pretty close to what I wanted. Like I said, all the words she says, they're not technically right. It's just, it's off. There's something that lacks impact for me. And I, it just, you know, and then again, what are Sam and Dean doing other than facilitating Cass? A guy who knew enough to find her in a group home, but is a supernatural being and couldn't find her after that, that he needs to call two humans to do it for him? Whatever. Again, that exists solely so that he and Dean could go have lunch so that Dean can tell him, if I go crazy, kill me. I don't want moments that exist for just a moment. Don't set up an entire scene for one moment. Don't set up an entire episode for moments in another episode. I just, I, I don't, I think it's lazy. I'm sorry, but I think it's lazy. I also didn't like the I, way I, Sam and Dean reacted to Cass asking for their help. I mean, they... Also, they were, really, they were so rude. They were so rude. They were rude and mean. And I'm like, my God, she's, he's finally trying to make this right. And she is family and and really, you guys aren't familiar with dropping everything to do something for a member of the family, <laughs> you know? And not You've never only done that, that. Like, last week we have them go asking about Alex, who they, but this is, you know, here's Claire, who they know Cass ruined her life, and they literally say, for some chick you met once. And it's okay. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. When Dean is really callous about it, I thought, ooh, it's a Mark Cain thing. But no, then Sam turns around and is callous too. And I'm like, oh, then, wow, these are my heroes. These are my heroes yeah. of, of this story. I'm appalled. Like, it was just, no. I was, and I really wanted to like this episode, and I really was just all over. The nicest way I can put it is I'm disappointed. And the redeeming quality is is the the acting um, and guy that guy can that guy was made was able to make this work as as arguably well as it did and I think that's that's for me mm-hmm. that is fifty percent guy fifty percent the actors and zero percent the writing and I. And the opposite is really fine. <laughs> okay, I'll say I, I was disappointed. percent the writing. I was disappointed I, I, in finding out that that um, Dean eating the theme of eating through this episode was not written in as a reaction to the mark of Cain 
or and trying that's to I feel say, normal yes, when he wasn't. You. And I'm like, they had no idea. The writer had no I did not put this in. And thank it was you. Guy. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I say you have to you have to attribute it to Guy because mm-hmm. it was not even a thing. Clearly, it's something that Guy took into consideration and they added it for that reason. And, you know, De- uh, Jensen was on board with it. But it's something mm-hmm. that didn't occur to the writer. I know. know. That, that, that Misha oh. has to come in and say, no, 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 I know pop culture references. And then in that case, I'm not even asking you to remember something from season two. I'm not even asking you to remember something that's a year old. I'm asking you to look back six months. And you're asking a writer who's right. been there for years. He's not a exactly. new writer. Exactly. So, and I'm yeah. asking you to look as far as the episode that's what, one episode before the one you wrote or two episodes before the one you wrote? No, wait. Metafiction is 21, right? So I'm only asking him to look back one episode before the episode he wrote, which was the end of the season, which were dyna- which were climactic, air quote, mm-hmm. episodes. And you, I have to, you have to have... You shouldn't have to have, in my opinion, I'm very grateful that we have actors that are so in tune with their character that they're like, no, 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 no. However, Mm -hmm. your actors shouldn't have to be that in tune for those, for the minutia, for the minutia. That is a writer's Mm -hmm. job. That is what especially not a. Not especially a, a, a well experienced writer for Superman. and a co exec and a co executive producer. Yeah, yeah. I agree. So yes, on on levels like that, you know, especially when you find out the things that are are done because the writer, not, I'm sorry, the the director and the 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 cast get together and plan something or say, you know, I think this and I like this. How do you feel about this? We'll do this. Mm-hmm. And and it, it it does kind of it is kind of hard when you when you're in fandom in general, and the curtain gets pulled back a bit for you. But it's disheartening to find out that those are things that were not were not caught or thought mm-hmm. about in the writers' room. It's disheartening. Yeah, at least in the writing, because so many other the people on set seem to have such care and and attention to detail, like. I love that the mark of Cain was in the stained glass windows of Randy's house and, you know, altered slightly so they weren't exact. But that's a that's a great detail. It's something you only catch a glimpse of. And and that's only one of many. I mean, Jerry Wanick and his crew are just miracle workers and and I'm like, boy, I don't know. I wish I wish some sometimes the you know, the writers were as attentive and yeah, they work hard, and there's a lot going on, but still... But there's a lot going on in Vancouver no, as well. I won't well, let it so. go. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. And I love guys but, saying, oh, it was a great short day. It was 10 hours. I'm like... Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. Awesome. And, you know, Rain or <laughs> yes. Shine... You know, here's the thing. Rain or Shine, Supernatural is a show that has never, ever, ever shut down for a day. They don't care if it's raining, if it's hailing, if it's if it's beautiful and sunny and you want to go to the beach, oh, you're sick, it does not matter. Supernatural goes on. Other sets do say, you know, this is not the ideal weather for today, so mm-hmm. we're going to wrap it up. Supernatural doesn't do that. And mm-hmm. I also, 
Um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Becky, Becky, tell me, tell me some more about what you liked and and why yeah. you're so fond of it. I, I, I feel bad because you know I'm. I, Usually, mostly using knowing about episodes, but and I didn't hate this episode, but part it just bugged me because I had bigger expectations and and it just was unbalanced for me. But tell me, tell me more what you liked about it, please. I loved um, Catherine Newton who played uh, Claire, but she was perfect when like when uh, Castiel first comes into the room and she sees him, the look of hope on her face. You know, it's just mm-hmm. um, heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And it, it's basically any scene that Claire and Castiel were in, I loved it. Um, I I just, I, I I wanted him to be her daddy. <laughs> she wanted, you know, she, she wanted to daddy so bad. And I just want them to have that relationship. And it's like normally. I have a question the, for you, though. Okay. And I don't want you to feel like I'm asking this in an antagonistic way. I'm genuinely asking you this uh-huh. because I want to know your answer. And how can he be her daddy? He's waging a war still. It's for me, for me, and you and I have had, the reason I'm asking you this is because this is a, an actual argument you and I have had. Um, and And for those of you who don't remember this, when I say argument, I mean this is literally our go to your respective corners and chill out for a few minutes because we were actually like about to start yelling at each other um, in a very small condo. <laughs> um, but it's the same way I feel about Dean going to Lisa and Ben. Like you have no business well, putting these people in danger. I'm not meaning, I'm not meaning living together 24 seven. No, no, no. I know you're I'll, not, but I'm just saying like, what do you expect for him to be able to do for her? I, well, she can't, he can't, I just want, him to have, I want them to have the father-daughter relationship. When she has a problem, she can go to him. You know, he can go visit her. You know, I want. Oh, them to she have can pray. When she prays to him, her. I expect him to answer this time. If she prays exactly, to him and says, exactly. that, I expect him to answer this time. That. He can that's never what he wants. see that he can be there for her, and that's my concern. Like I don't he think can. he should give her this false thing. And then take it away from her again for for purpose. And I'm not saying in a mean way. I'm saying there's times where he won't be able to control it. It's not his fault that he'll have to go. That's the same with anybody. You know, everybody. Sometimes you can't always you can't always be there for everybody. She's 17. You know, he. uh, You know, she's been living on her own. She would do fine on her own, obviously. But what I'm, I just want you know to be able to come visit. I'm not saying yes, adopt her and be a permanent father figure, you know, forever and ever. I'm saying I just want him to be there for her. I want them to have a relationship. So and you want her to help her wearing her her dead father's face. Yeah. To be there for her. Yes, because she she wants that. And okay. I don't know if it's the fact that because I'm an adoptive parent or something, I don't know if that's coloring my views on it. But that's what I want to happen, and mm. I love them together. I love I that maybe that's why I've been looking forward to the episode so much. Was I don't know? Maybe, maybe they'll figure, figure out. Maybe they'll maybe figure out what kind of relationship they're going to have because if it can't be father daughter, it can be something. It can be something responsible. And I also think that 
yeah, he's got the the war in heaven or whatever, but but if what what is he doing it for if he's not doing it for the the people, you know, and and also um and he and Cass has always had a, a, a particular relationship and fondness for humans in in general. He's always appreciated yeah, that's them why more he's the than the other one. Angel, and yeah, it's not like the detective one. So I'm, not I'm like okay he's... with that. It's, I don't expect it to be great on Super, but if they're always sort no, of no, working no, no, on no. it, and I like, and it's not that like he's been super he wants busy, to try right? even it. with everything else going on. I like that he he wants to do that because it's, you know, it's like it's like she's a real symbol of one of the things he wants to set right. Well, and and, I, and and in in a nebulous way, I agree. And like I said, I was excited for this storyline, and I'm a little let down because I don't think it went as well as as what I wanted it to be. And I'm not saying in terms of the things that I wanted didn't happen, because as I've said, just because you don't get your way doesn't mean something's bad, um, and that's that's something that I fully believe in, you know. Um, but you were used- you were asking me, you know, what I liked about the episode, and mm-hmm. I I haven't yeah. really cared about a Castiel storyline in a long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been like he's been yeah. basically irrelevant, and you mentioned so that. for the first for the first time, I'm actually excited about a Castiel storyline. I see that you know maybe something might happen here that might go forward, something that I'm interested in, and where you know and. It's not like he's been busy. He was hanging around a hotel room in his bathrobe until Hannah showed up, you know, and and put him on the <laughs> road. So he, you know, he really didn't have anything to do. And now Hannah's gone, so he's back to having nothing to do. So he might as well, you know, help her out some. And well, uh, and I and and I, well, the reason I say, you know, lower your expectations, gift. And I would like to be proved wrong about what I'm about to say. Um. Because I'm not somebody who's as critical of the writers who are writing the next part of this episode or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm not as critical as most people tend to be, but it is a Buckner Lemming episode. It's going to be the technical where this episode picks up, which I find it really strange that there's going to be an episode between that that doesn't pick this up, but whatever. And the, the, my thing is, is they have a propensity for, in one episode, wrapping something up with a bow saying it's done. And that's my worry. I should say, you know, that, I'd, again, I'd like to be proven wrong, but my experience with this show tells me that there's a really big chance that the next episode with Claire is going to tie her up with a bow in some way. She's Cass puts her on a puts her in a way where she can actually really go fend for herself without it being a dangerous thing, or she dies. And mm. again, I'd like to be wrong, mm. but given however, that whichever mm-hmm. way it turns mm-hmm. out, I just I, I you know, if she dies or if she gets tied up, you know, her storyline tied up with a bow, a happy, for you know, how ha- ha- gets her ever after or whatever, as long as it's Interesting. I'll be fine with it as long as it. You know, no, that's so. fine. No, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, and again, my biggest, my main issues with this episode. There were three main issues I have. I don't feel it was a mid-season finale episode. 
Excuse me. Sorry, I've been eating this whole time we've been on. <laughs> um, uh, I, I don't feel it's a mid-season. I don't like Sam and Dean's behavior um, in in regards to the the situation to Claire herself. I just I did not like it. It was very off-putting, and I don't find anything dynamic or cliffhanger worthy about what Dean did. I'm not appalled. I'm not upset. I'm, I kind of want to, I kind of want to shake Sam and go, and because I know that Sam, I know that Sam's issue is, I have a thought about that. And I have a theory Uh about cast too. Sure. Um, Sure. The the thought about, um, I don't think we're supposed to be so horrified about the people that Dean killed, but we're just supposed to be horrified that Dean gave in to the mark of Cain. Right. I and, agree. And I don't think the writing, I don't think that. the writing, uh, yeah, I don't Show feel, that, I do feel like that's the point. I feel like that's the point. And yeah, again, it's not the I, people, I it's that he's giving did, in to this. Yeah, I think what Guy did with it is the, the best Guy could have done with it, and Jared Jensen as well, in terms of the emotional impact However, I just don't think that I don't think it actually came across in terms of the writing, in terms of the situation. And I, like I said, I know why they're doing it because you can't have Dean go too off the rails. Because then, how do you redeem the character? It's the same thing, you know. We never saw Solda Sam do anything that was fully irredeemable. It was just said that he would be willing to do those things because and you can't. Were, have, you can't. You can't make your yeah. That's what I'm saying. You don't see it, therefore you can't be. It's not irredeemable. It's not horrifying because it's all implied, and so and it's couched in in the hypothetical. Like, you know, we can say he did it, but we don't know, and we don't know exactly what, so we can't condemn him for it. Mm-hmm. Becky, what were you going to say? Mm-hmm. I also like the Sam and Dean's you know storyline throughout. I love. Straight from the grilled cheese scene, you could see Sam worry, is worried about Dean, and you know he, mm-hmm. he you know the ca- it shows the camera sh- shows him looking at the mark on Dean's arm while Dean's laughing at the Stooges, and you know throughout the whole episode you can see that Sam's you know worrying about Dean, and then mm-hmm. all going all the way to that last scene, you know I loved how Guy and I love how he did it, filming the, the slow-mo, even though Jared might have got upset. <laughs> I love the <laughs> slow-mo of him figuring out, oh, my God, Dean's not here. What is going on? And, you know, I, and then in the house, you know, I know you all, you know, don't think it's a mid-season finale feeling or whatever, but to me it totally was because they're down on their knees in the floor amid four people that Dean has just mm-hmm. killed within like a minute. And mm-hmm. here's here's Dean basically saying, I didn't mean to, you know, like, you know, mm-hmm. he's like zoned out, ashamed. I did not, love that not scene. Looking, I did love that. He's, I yeah, thought it was he, he won't even look Sam in the eyes. Sam's, you know, holding mm-hmm. Dean, you know, begging him to please, you know, tell him it's okay. You know, yep. that's basically yep. what Sam is telling him. Please tell me you're okay. Right. Please. That's basically yeah. what Sam is saying. And yep. to me, that was... Loved it. Awesome, and I love. I love the moment. I loved the moment. I would have loved it. It was, more it was worthy. Fourteen. It was worthy mm-hmm. to me of a cliffhanger for uh, for mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know 
going off into the I'm winter. Pretty, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I do want to I do want to know what happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm good with that part. Wait, before I forget the thing about Cass, I wanted to bring up. A, mm-hmm. I thought of it as we were discussing it in family that that Cass is. I mean, he seems to be doing pretty well, but he's been on borrowed time and borrowed grace. And I wonder, it's like when you know you're you're dying or very sick, you kind of want to make things right or go back and maybe oh, yeah. see family you haven't. And that might have been, I, I wish we you sort know, of gotten that That's point, a good theory. I, I'm good so theory. glad you said it because you, when you, what you just said put the nail on the head for what was what felt off about, about it all for me. And I know Becky's going to disagree with me. <laughs> Becky's going to fully uh-huh. disagree with me on this point, and that's okay. But that's what was felt off about everything for me. I don't feel like Cass was doing it for Claire. I feel like it is like what Claire says because you feel guilty. Because, mm-hmm. again, yeah, I I don't feel like this was for Claire. I feel like Cass did this for himself, for his own closure, for his own peace of mind. And, again, he's not willing to really fight Metatron for his grace. So, again, I think it's a cruel thing to do to come in with wearing her dead father's face when you are pretty sure you're going to die soon. I think that's cool. And she has no idea. Yeah, she has exactly. no idea about that I feel like I feel like what Cass is doing to her is cruel. You know, here she well, is. Least, I don't think at he least means less to than be. a year from being, yeah. No, I don't, well, I don't think he realizes that's what it is. I don't. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think I might, he gets might, that. And my my biggest character issue with with Cass that I've said for years, and finally the narrative says it is, he's a very egotistical character. He's selfish, he has a lot of hubris, and it's a problem. It's a consistent problem. It always creates a problem for him. Um, And so... I, I yeah, I do think it's cool that he knows that he's as far as he knows he's gonna die because he has no intention of fighting for his own grace. Mm. And I think I think inherently what he's doing to her is cruel. She's at least half, she's at least less than a year away from being a legal adult. He mm. doesn't know that she was in trouble. So yeah, you know, I just I think should at cool, least be I up front with her and let her make part of this decision about yeah. what. You know, also, and I'm and I'm really sorry. Also, um, we've got about two minutes left of mm-hmm. being on the air live. We, if we keep talking, we will be recorded. But while we're still live, I just want to say thank you again to the wonderful guy B. He he did he actually um, lightened me a little bit more about this episode. And there's some things I like and understand more about it um, that he was on. Thank him again. Thank you to everybody listening. Uh, this is our, I think, will be our, well, it's definitely our last podcast of 2014, I think. <laughs> I say think. And then we will try and maybe do something before this, the show comes back on January 20th with new episodes. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um, any Whatever holiday you celebrate this month, um, I hope it's a wonderful one. Wish, we wish everyone peace, happiness health and okay anything you guys want to say before we go one one other thing that i like that i don't know why they did it but i love that they did because i've been complaining about it for forever sam was wearing like a season two cheap crappy looking out um suit when he was talking to the um social worker you know a jacket with a mismatched shirt with a mismatched tie 
And I've been complaining. I love that outfit. Yeah, Sam and Dean used to wear all the time in the first two seasons, you know. And then they, you know, they got to where they wear, you know, the expensive suits all the time now. But he was wearing the mismatch. And I was like, oh, I love it. It's back. So, yeah, that was another scene that I liked. Mm, I like that outfit. (laughs) Me too. It's so good to see it again. Yeah, and also... I loved Dean's plaid shirt in this in the diner scene where he was talking to uh, Cass over burgers. I'm like, I just love that plaid shirt. I'm not usually such a giant plaid fan, but that was just a great shirt. I you know. And you have to have these um, guy, occasionally. <laughs> guy mentioned that they did um, Claire's hair after a movie or something. I was wondering if it was supposed to be Tatiana Maslany's hair in the first episode of Orphan Black because it's very similar to that hairstyle. I was really curious if that might be what hmm. they were going for. And also, I loved Claire's nail polish. I wanted to ask the makeup <laughs> people on Twitter, what nail polish is Claire wearing? Because I love it. I Her her eye makeup, and I, I know they why they did it, but that was that was a lot. And I know that was the point, but it, I, but but Guy talked about about not taking something too far where it's sort of that's the only thing you see. And sometimes that's all I saw in her scenes was was like, holy cow, that that really heavy um, eye makeup all around all around her eyes. And I don't know, I'm going to sound like a curmudgeon, and everyone needs to get off my lawn. But I didn't think much of her hairstyle either. But I, you know, it suits what she was going, but she was going through and what the character yeah, it was, was perfect. like. Yeah, it was perfect for her character. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I know. I curmudgeon. Get yeah. off my lawn. Stop playing that rock music. No, I don't think it's like a curmudgeon. I don't think it's like a curmudgeon. I think it, it, it's just one of those styles differ thing where, to me, heavy makeup is different because of the kind of work that I do. Mm. Where I, I work somewhere where at least, at least, once a day, a day, someone will come in and say, can you make me look like Kim Kardashian? <laughs> First of all, no. No, I cannot. Two, you don't want, to, wait, you don't want to, to buy or deal with the level of products that are on that woman's face at any given time. It's a lot. Mm. It's a freaking lot. Um, I love makeup and I do makeup for a living and I still don't want to do that every day or even like once mm. a month. It's who wants to sit around and put on four concealers a day? Nobody wants to do that. I guess but I think it's just, it's just, it's just a, one of those styles vary kind of thing. For me, I noticed that it was heavy teenager makeup, but it wasn't distracting for me because the, where I work, mm-hmm. that, that's what we consider like light makeup or everyday makeup. Mm-hmm. If I went to if I went to work with that, that's a light day. So you know, it 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 all depends on 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 things like that. But I do I do see what you're saying in terms of for you, it was a lot, and it's supposed to look like a lot. For me, I was like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. look, yeah, yeah, um, and I and I get it, and I think it's right for her character, you know, and and everything. It's not that. I mean, it wasn't that big a deal. I mean, it did occasionally, no, no, but no. not so much that it was like a real issue and and all that. But yeah, no, I agree, and I but but I do agree with Guy, and I say this as someone who you know 
who has piercings, who grew up with people who had piercings. I have pierced people. Um, I do think that a nose ring would have been distracting. I, I mm. agree, and I'm glad. I'm glad that they didn't do that. I do think that it would have been just a little. I think the tattoo was enough because, and the reason I wanted to ask about the tattoo is because the fact that they put a tattoo on her, but they never actually focused on it. Like it's so hard to even see what it is. I have no idea what it is, and I think that the was rose smart. and stars. A rose with stars. Is it a rose? I knew I could see the mm-hmm. stars. I couldn't figure out what the rest was. Yeah, um, I was to be honest. I, I, it was to be honest. Yeah, it was. I so, didn't look that was, closely because that would involve watching this episode again. It never, you know. Well, I've watched it like five times. And, wow, um, and you still like it? Every single time, I like it even better. Oh, but, good. Um, I I love hearing that you loved it because I had, I, I was surprised <laughs> that I was sort of, I was I was about it, and it's funny because Bay and I actually had this brief conversation about how much uh-huh. issue we had with this episode and and then I, I, Amanda chimed in and was and she was kind of shocked that she felt the same way and so did other people you know it was the same thing they were just annoyed there just wasn't enough Sam and Dean and wasn't right for mid-season finale so I I like hearing that you you really enjoyed it and watched it a lot and it, and it did yeah a lot because of, of other of, of the people I've talked to um uh, the 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 proportion of I liked it to I didn't like it is it's probably one of the most disproportionate I've seen this season. And, and see, this is you know this is and, what and I like about the minority. This is what I like about the three of us. We never agree. The whole group of us never agrees on anything. So we're able to get all kinds of different points of views and things out. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we all agree about hitting nine one one being. Amazing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That episode was like, like I said during that podcast, I would be hard pressed to find a flaw with it. Mm. Uh, I loved it so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Giving nine one one, Ask Jeeves and Reichenbach are my three favorites uh, for the season. Ask Jeeves, so so good. (laughs) I like I like Paper Moon a lot, and I have I have a I have a a good friend, um, Justine. She's uh, 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 patron hippie on Twitter. Uh, and she loved Reichenbach, and I was like, mm, no. So again, it was to be friends with somebody, you don't have to agree on episodes. We both agreed mm-hmm. that Ask Cheese was, you know, nearly flawless as well. She was a little mm-hmm. less. She liked hitting, but she was like, meh. Um, but Clarissa and I both really loved Ask Cheese and and hitting, and so you know, everybody has different opinions. And like I said, this is the episode that I found to be the most disproportionate in terms of likes versus dislikes and disproportionate towards the dislike, which is also what I, a kind of a rarity as well. Usually when it's disproportionate like that, it's more people liked it than disliked it. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that you, that you liked it and that you were not disappointed because, you know, that's good for you to not be disappointed while watching an episode in general, but also for you to be able to, even though I still disagree with you, um, uh, for you to be able to no, but I like having somebody that I can ask why. Mm. I, this is an episode where I genuinely feel like what, why. So again, while I do not agree with you, I like your reasonings for it. 
Mm. And also, I don't, I didn't hate this episode. I have issues, but I didn't hate it. No. Now, you know, I, I have bloodlines rage, you know, and and mm. on that one. But this one is like, you know, I, I have issues, and we're up and down. But there was, uh, there was, uh, I loved everything. Sam and Dean, you know, Jensen and Jared are always so amazing and and I liked the idea of checking in with Claire and Mark Shepard and Ruth Connell, you know, were amazing. That 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 reminds me. I do feel like I'm I'm puzzled about something with their scenes. The the woman that's brought into Rowena's cell, why why mm-hmm. was she in there? Why was she even in there? I was like, who are you? Like she was not supposed to work. But she she made a deal so she could go up. So she's a demon. But I she's a yeah, demon. She's definitely a demon. The only the only yeah. reason she was there was for Rowena to be able to use her. Um, right, but I but they, I didn't understand. No, yeah, totally. I just didn't understand the exposition. I did. I understand the why she was there, but I did not understand the exposition. Hmm. And then I. I I actually felt sorry for her. She was very sympathetic as a as a demon because Rowena just just used her just and, to get out of there, and which that's the didn't really surprise me. But I think that the character was written a little too human. Yeah, and I'm gonna miss go. Gerald. I'm gonna oh, miss Gerald. Gerald was great. I did like yeah. Gerald. Gerald Rest was great. Peace, Gerald. And I love, nobody cares, Gerald. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. I love Gerald. No one cares. And it is one of those things, it's one of those things that, you know, my pain is bigger than your pain because Gerald feels like, no, my abuse was bigger than your abuse. And not only does Crowley not care, you know, well, yeah, Gerald, but his mother tried to sell him and then abandoned him. So, yes, you both had uh, abuse and neglect in there, and they're basically playing the my trauma is, is bigger than your trauma game, which I found interesting. Um, I do, and going back to this, I feel like because of everything else that was going around, I mean, and, and it goes to show, I feel like it did a disservice to the Crowley-Rowena story because look at look at us. We didn't even discuss it while we were still being, while we were still alive. We hardly touched mm-hmm. on it. Um, and I think, I think that goes to show that it was a disservice to them because I actually think it was what I enjoyed, you know, arguably the most. And yet, it doesn't even. It, once it was done, it was. It's not even on my radar to continue discussing it because it was almost misplaced. Um, again, going back to ten oh seven. Ten oh seven existed to introduce Rowena so that we could have the Rowena scenes this episode. Unnecessary. Uh, I feel like Rowena and Crowley, which it's probably coming up, but I think. By now, Rowena and Crowley deserved better than this than just being shoved into this episode. I um, think that they're we're getting these little bits from them because they're going to be the big storyline of the season. No, that's and that's what I said. I know we're going to get more of Rowena, and, and obviously, she, but I feel like they deserved more than just being shoved into this episode right now. Overall, like I said, my biggest, my absolute biggest issue with this episode is the placement. Mm-hmm. That's that's. I think I'd be less critical if I knew if there was something else coming next week. 
I'm also very and the only thing I am interested to see is why there's an episode between this one and the one that closes this one out. I'm very interested to see why the Charlie episode is the next episode because I think that's super uh, weird too. I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. It is. They, they shot, shot out, of, out order. of order. Oh, that's yeah. right. They shot out of order, but it's not airing out of order. Never mind. Scratch that. Okay. Oh, good. I have a whole, what, seven weeks before I have to complain about that episode? Yay, instead of six. <laughs> so make no mistake, well, I'm going to complain about that episode. <laughs> that's okay. Everyone else is going to love it. Everyone else is going to love it, and I'm going to complain. Just from the know. from the little bit that, was, that we saw of it in the clip, I'm really curious about it and looking forward to it. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Me too. No, that no, one, no. yeah, and I, I do not have the Charlie dislike that you do. I, I love I her. love Charlie. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm the yeah, person Charlie. in fandom that is so, and it sucks because <laughs> I sure love Felicia the Day. One, oh, I'm pretty much it's okay. I think there's like maybe one or two others. We're a lonely island. Um, <laughs> and because I love Felicia Day, it bums me out that I can't, I don't, I don't like Charlie, but I feel like, and anybody who is listening to the recorded version of this, um, obviously we're not live, so I don't feel as bad about what I'm going to do. But I'm about to. If you if you're someone who doesn't watch the the previews for upcoming, um, I'm about to be slightly spoilery. I feel like Robbie Thompson is trying to woo me. He's like, no, 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 Vinny, watch. I'm gonna have Dean punch Charlie for you. Here's the <laughs> Just thing, for Robbie you. Thompson. Right, I do. Right. But here's the thing, Robbie Thompson. I know that that's not really Charlie. I can tell. And it's not going to work. And I see right through you. I see right through you wooing me, and it's not going to work. And I, I, I'm upset that you think it will. It's not going to happen. I'm, I'm looking very much forward to it. So I'm, I'm glad. glad. I want two thirds of us are. I want to hear about her time in Oz. So I'm looking forward. Meh. Lower your expectations, Gif. Okay. I've been. I ha- I've been very happy. You were, I no, when I say that, no, when I say that, no, 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 when I say that, I don't think you're going to get very much information about what she, what happened to her in Oz. I don't think you're going to get it. I think you're going to get something very small and perfunctory. She's going to come back. She's either possessed or she brought something negative energy back with her. What I'm trying to say though is, what I'm trying to say is, they really haven't disappointed me yet this season. So I. Don't know why they would disappoint me then when they haven't disappointed me yet. So, okay. Mm. And again, our, uh, my, I'm biased. I, I I cannot stand the character. Mm-hmm. And I wish somebody else played her because, God, I love Felicia Day so much. <laughs> um, so. Yes. In, in my day job, I work with a lot of artists. And I don't know, maybe maybe it's I don't I don't mind that kind of thing because I can I can like an artist as a person and wish their art was better because it's it's so bad but they're such a nice person I wish it was better. And then the other just the opposite there are some artists that are just bastards to deal with but their work is amazing and you don't have to be one of those attitude artists to have wonderful work. There are also artists that are both nice people and do wonderful work, 
nasty people and do terrible work. But but it's I'm trained pretty well to like separate one one from the you other. Know, so I don't really think about it. I'm but. usually pretty good about it, but I feel like because yeah, Charlie like an, an actor is, is a, an actor, why, and the it, role, and, yeah, yeah. My thing with it is that Charlie is such is so much like almost like a caricature of Felicia. And 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 I and and that I can't get excited to see Felicia on my screen because she's playing Charlie. But yeah. in terms of like, I don't dislike Felicia Day because she plays Charlie. I'm also not going to like Charlie. Like I, I, there are there is a definite separation for me. I just mm-hmm. wish I could get. And, and you know what? To that testament, um, and it's I weird think people can still because I, yeah. Oh, sweet. People are. People, <laughs> I don't maybe know how, no, but they are. People maybe because we had to reschedule the, the podcast, do you think? No, it's supposed to end after 120 minutes. But people are, because they're tweeting to us, replies to things we're talking about right now. So oh. we're still live somehow. I don't know how, but we are. <laughs> huh. If we're still live, we don't know when we're going to randomly get cut off, guys. <laughs> well, it says, will, uh, and it doesn't even say recording left. I mean, it says recording. It doesn't say yeah, live. Yeah, the studio says strange. recording, not mm. live. It's very strange. Oh, wow. Um, but I will also Corey say that... A friend Corey had a great thing to go with. Rowena is a human, but somehow used witchcraft to be very old. Would boys consider her a monster? Fair game to dispatch? Go. That's what Corey says. Um... I'm going to have to read her question again. While I reread her question and decide what I'm going to say, I also want to say, because of what we were just talking about, um, I've met Robbie Thompson, and I actually adore him as a person. Um, I could sit and talk Mm. to Robbie Thompson forever. Uh, He's a white man. Sweetest guy ever. (laughs) Oh, he's uh, he's awesome as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet I I have not liked an episode of his for years. Years. So it is that same differential. Like all of them. If I were to really see, if I were to see Robbie Thompson, I would love. Like he may not want to sit and talk to me anymore, but <laughs> but I adore him as a person. I absolutely adore him. I think he's great company, great conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sat and talked to him for hours, hours, and he was great. Yeah. But um, he was nice and upbeat and pleasant and. Paid wonderful attention to anybody who 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 was asking him questions and yeah yeah he's lovely 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 he's great um but again I I think in in really looking at it the last episode of his that I really 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 liked as an entire episode was Flash Fiction in season seven there's other episodes he's done where I've liked moments but in terms of a full episode Flash Fiction. Uh, even though I hated hated what happened, I loved the episode where Meg died. Uh, I, I used to. Um, and then when I went and watched it again, um, I had a lot of technical issues with it um, in terms of technical writing. Uh, Here, I had a lot of technical issues with it. Here's what makes... If the episode's interesting and it's a storyline that doesn't piss me off, I'm usually fine with it. <laughs> so, yeah, and as we've discussed, I'm a lot harsher and I'm a bit more, um, I'm old, I kind of, like we said, I'm, I'm the mean one. Um, I'm oh, the and I forgot. 
He mm-hmm. wrote one of my very favorite episodes ever, 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 Firstborn. I love that episode. Mm, Which episode? Yeah. Which one again? I didn't hear I you. I love that Firstborn episode. Firstborn. Oh, I like half of Firstborn. I like everything about it. Nothing about it is wrong. I love it all. No, that episode <laughs> That episode actually makes me slightly angry. Um, because I, and, and, and I say it as, and, and let me explain, because when that episode aired, I remember we, I was doing the podcast and I really liked it. And when I did my, my mid-season recap, roundtable with Clarissa, I liked it with ScreenFast. And when we did our season ending, it was my top episode. It was tied with Devil May Care for my top episode. However, when I went back and watched it, when all was said and done, and I kind of, you know, I went through season nine, uh, I went through the, I went through season nine again on my own time, and I, I realized that part of this is coloring the fact that I am a Sam girl, but I really resent that for me, it felt like Sam finally being able to talk about, finally having a friend being able to talk about how he felt about things, about what was going on, why, and Kat's turning around and going, yeah, but no, get over it. And, and looking, looking at Robbie's, Robbie's list of episodes, he's written 11. There's only two. One that I could not stand at all, uh, metafiction. And um, fan fiction, and I was like, eh. Um, but the rest I really, really liked, so... Bitten. Um, Panther, Bitten. Yeah, he did. Bitten. Oh, I love Bitten. So and I, I didn't, I, I didn't love or hate Bitten. I like it. Um, um, as we've, as I, as I said, I like it. I don't think it's an episode of Supernatural, but I, I don't dislike it. Uh, I don't hate it. I should say. Um, I always forget that he wrote that though. But again, I also don't really consider it a, a Supernatural episode. Um, to answer Corey's question, yeah, she's gonna be fair game. But yeah. I don't think they'll. I don't even think they'll consider her human because she's so old, and because she is a witch, which they are, which which, um, they are so bleh about. Um, and they're so she, unsanitary. Witches are so unsanitary. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> but um, I do. Yeah, I I think she's going to be fair game. I don't even think they're going to blink an eye about it. I don't think that's. Gonna, I don't think that's going to be remotely the issue with her. Um, I'm going to, because I said it, I'm going to double check Robbie's episodes and just so I'm accurate about what I'm saying. Mm. No, I had uh, it. Uh, yeah, no, accurate. Uh, Slash Fiction is the only episode that I would actually go back and watch. The way I always judge an episode is would I watch it out of order just for the fun of watching it? Or do I will I only watch it if I have to, or if I'm doing a full rewatch? That's my when I say you know, and slash fiction is the only episode I would go back and watch just for the fun of it because oh. I actually really do like that episode. Um, I, I, lo- time I love time, time, time. Time is fine. It's fine. Yes, I love time after time. I love I, all I think the, it's an okay. I love the Charlie. I love the yeah. Charlie episodes. I love Bitten. Mm-hmm. Uh, Goodbye Stranger. That was really no. really good. Uh, yes, it was. So yeah, I like that one. I like and I will. No, and I will. You talked about um, you talked about bitten not feeling like a supernatural episode. 
I feel that way with the girl with the Dungeons and Dragons tattoo. To me, that did not feel like a Supernatural episode. I agree. Episode. I um, totally but, but I wouldn't go back and watch it. I still it. liked it. I would, no. I would watch all the Charlie episodes in a row. I, I, I'm, I'm, and most people would. Like I said, I am in the vast majority when it comes to the Charlie episodes. Um, I have opinions about the character that I will never say in public because uh, they're really mean and they're pretty crass. Uh, so I'll never say them in public, but I have very strong opinions as to why I don't like that character. Um, Goodbye, stranger. Like I said, I've, I, I love the scene between Meg and Cass when he's patching her up and then moving the furniture. But I think as an overall episode, the first half of it is beyond mediocre. Um, and I have an issue with the crypt scene because it's a... I think it's derivative of, of Swan Song. I think it's very derivative. You know, um, if people only knew you and me from the podcast, they would think we hated each other. They really I know. We're <laughs> <laughs> literally best friends. Like, literally. We talk every day. <laughs> <laughs> I, cry, I cried earlier because she had posted an article on Facebook that was not about herself, actually, but reminded me of her, speaking of, like, adoption. And I was, like, a snotty crying mess because I was so in love with her in that moment. So, yeah, <laughs> but that is the funniest thing. We are actually best friends. <laughs> like, we we plan vacations together. <laughs> <laughs> we Yeah, so, yeah, it, 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 and again, it goes to show you don't have to agree, but we don't go a day without communicating with each other in some way. Yeah. We're, we joke that we're codependent. We are buying Christmas presents for other people as a unit because we don't know how to separate <laughs> ourselves. Exactly. Really, we're quite creepy. Um, but uh, go, going back to this, I like I said, um, I find that derivative. Uh, Pac-Man fever, it's okay. Uh, I hate slumber party. I, that was my least favorite episode in the, when in the screen side round table. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Um, the only season nine episode I hate more than slumber party is Metafiction. Uh, Firstborn, I think, is fifty-fifty. Uh, and I hated fan fiction, as everybody knows. So, yeah, not only not only are they episodes I don't particularly like, I literally, I want those episodes erased from, like, can I get those episodes and Bloodlines erased from my DVD sets, please? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Warner Brothers, please. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Robbie, because, Robbie, I actually do love you as a person. If you are listening or you ever, ever listen to this episode, I love you as a person. I really do, and I would talk to you for hours. I I just adore you. Yes. But I I'm like sure he hung up before we got to the part where we... I know, that's why I'm like, <laughs> I swear. But, again, as somebody... And that's my thing. As somebody who's a writer, and I before I got really, really sick this year and could do the recaps... Um, I have the only episode I've recapped was the season opener, and then I got just too sick to be able to do them. Um, since then, um, I have people tell me, you know, you suck all the time, all the time. I have I have people who comment on my recaps and tell me, why do you hate Sam so much? I'm like, what? What? I'm a Sam girl. I'm so confused. What do you mean? How, what? <laughs> so uh, you know, but I don't get angry about it. Um, and maybe that's why I am so quick to be almost callous in my 
in my criticism because when someone criticizes my writing, um, I don't get angry about it. I, I very much I very much take that into consideration and I internalize it and I I step back and I think about why that person may feel that way. Even if I disagree with them, I try to see why they're saying it. Um, and then and that probably makes me hypercritical and and again, like I say, callous and a bit you know over the top sometimes, but. I would like to hope that they also feel that way where I think that criticism makes you stronger and especially in terms of, of, of art, uh, whatever your art is, whether it's uh, painting, sculpting, acting, writing, whatever it is, I've, I'm someone who firmly believes that criticism, only, only ever hearing how wonderful you are, you can't grow from that. You'll never grow from that. So... I said all that to say, I do love you, Robbie, I swear. Oh, like a lot. <laughs> I love you as a person and a writer. <laughs> see? Um, you see? And, and she's wrong, but go her. <laughs> um, that said, uh, my phone's about to die, and I'm nowhere near a charger because um, on top of me being sick, and when I say sick, um, I, I just... Uh, I have chronic sciatica for anyone who's listening, so I have chronic pain right now. That's, you know, I'm like, anybody who went to Dallas Con and saw me walking, I'm actually worse than that. There you, there you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, my dog is newly blind, so I'm sitting here with a blind dog on my lap and in severe pain. No one near a charger, so I'm out of here. Sorry, guys. I'm okay. <laughs> That's all right. It's uh, probably time we wrap this up. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who listened. Thank you to Guy. Um, like I said, like I said last week, I'm gonna say it again. Thank you for everyone, everyone who supports us. Um, mm-hmm. and, you know, emotionally oh, real quick. and real emotionally quickly. and everything. We reached mm-hmm. 900. Uh, we're at 902,000 and some odd oh, followers good. on our Facebook page. Woo-hoo. It's just freaking me out. <laughs> we're, yeah, yeah, we're at we, almost. We're at, we're closing in on 190,000 followers on Twitter. So but, yeah, it, we are kind of spazzing out about that. <laughs> <laughs> when if we hit if we hit a million on our Facebook page, there's gonna be a huge party. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> And if we hit a million yes. before Jared does, I'm I'm going to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> because we did we did talk to him about Facebook likes uh, not too long ago, so I am going to be like, guess what? <laughs> so, um, but yes, good night to everyone. Thank you as always, and we will let you know when we do. Um, Whatever we do in the new year in terms of a podcast, uh, we'll probably do some kind of throwback before we have uh, Nikki on. But uh, we'll keep you posted on Facebook and Twitter. Winchester Bros in both of those places. At Winchester Bros. Winchester Bros. Facebook and WinchesterBros.com. Yes. And... um, before I hang up, I kind of want to hear Jordan Jensen take us out for the last time in 2014. We can do that. Night, everybody. Hey, I'm Jared Padalecki. And this is Jensen Ackles. And you're listening to Winchester Radio.